Hello and welcome to episode 136 of the So Video Games podcast, where we talk about any game at all, including new stuff, old stuff, and anything in between. If we are playing it, we will be talking about it. Today we are recording on June 20th, 2019. My name is Corey Motley. I am a staff writer at GameCritics.com, which is actually true this time because I have a review coming up for GameCritics pretty soon. I am also 50% of this show. Joining me as always is my co-host and partner in crime, Brad Galloway. He is the editor of GameCritics. How are you, Brad? I am doing better. Uh, I've been really sick for like the last week, but I'm starting to feel okay today. But if you guys hear me coughing or sniffling or just like struggling to hang on to life that's what's going on <laughs> also you once you're a staff writer at game critics Corey, you're always a staff writer at game critics our door is always open you're always part of the family so even if you haven't written in a while you are still a staff writer and you know you get a pass anyway because we're doing this goddamn podcast every week i know i think about that sometimes where you know every week i'm like my name's Corey molly and i'm a staff writer or you introduce me as a staff writer and I think, like, there, because I don't, I mean, there was a time when I was writing a lot for game critics. I mean, obviously, before we started the podcast, because now the podcast takes up sort of like the time and the commitment and the brain space that I would spend writing about games. Um, and I feel like there's sort of this weird, like, statute of limitations where if I don't write a review for, like, I don't know, like three months or six months, that suddenly I'm like, oh, well, I mean, I still, yeah, I can call myself a staff writer, but I just am not putting out nearly as much writing as other people on the site, so I feel a little a little guilty about carrying that title. You know, maybe maybe we should change that. You know, we've had this script <laughs> basically in its current form for, like, the last two years. Maybe it's time we update this. So instead of Corey, Corey Botley staff writer, I mean, still be staff writer, that's not going to change, but instead of saying that, we should say, uh, I don't know, podcast creator, uh hardcore podcaster or something maybe we're going to change this we're, next week we're going to get some a different title that'll be more appropriate because i don't think staff writer accurately reflects all the effort you're putting out oh boy okay i, w- I mean i would consider myself uh, like a podcast producer and co-host like i uh, that's what i would consider myself but we can uh we can go to the the drawing board and come up with some new titles all right, hang on to your butts, folks. We're going to have a different opening next week. <laughs> It'll be a different opening by, like, two words. It's going to change everything. And yet we'll still get an email about it, I'm sure. <laughs> <laughs> perhaps, perhaps. Um, well, today, um, dear listeners, uh, Brad and I, this is weird for us because if you listened to last week's episode, you know it was our Q&A, our big banter Q&A episode that we actually recorded two weeks ago because I was out of town on a business trip all of last week. I flew out Sunday. I flew back in Sunday. So we recorded two shows back to back and then spaced them out a week so that way you would not be left without a show uh, for a week because, you know, Brad and I try to get every show in every week. I think we've only missed like one show maybe in the entire time that we've been running. Maybe. I'd have to go back and check. Yeah, we'd have to look through the archives. Um, But today, the the kind of unfortunate thing about my business trip is that I was out of town all of last week, was not, I mean, was kind of checking in on social media here and there. But if you know anything about video games, I'm sure everybody listening to the show will know this, last year was the week of the Electronic Entertainment Expo, better known as E3 in Los Angeles, California. And if you know anything about video games, you know that E3 is a huge, it is probably, I mean, Brad, would you say that it is the biggest video game expo that exists like on the planet that happens every year? 
No, I think that that crown has been taken by Gamescom in Germany. I think that is oh. the biggest on the planet. I've heard it is gargantuan, like even bigger than E3. And wow, you know, to be frank, I mean, people, a lot of people were saying this year's E3 it was looking a little sickly because uh, Sony didn't <laughs> have a presence and Microsoft was not on the floor. Apparently, Nintendo. I mean, I heard I heard some people saying who actually went. I didn't go to E3, uh, but. People who went said that instead of being so crowded, it was just like, oh, there's like an extra Red Bull booth and there's like some merch booths. And so it wasn't nearly like as elbow to elbow as it was. So I think it definitely was the biggest on the planet at some time. But no, those folks in Germany got it rocking these days. Interesting. I didn't really know that. I've also never been to any of these um, conferences, so I don't really know anything about them other than what I watch on the Internet. But E3 is historically famous for housing um, pretty big game reveals or even entire console reveals or, you know, hardware like controller support, you know, VR reveals, anything like that. Um, it is definitely a show that's geared toward, kind of toward, um, uh, I mean, I don't know. It's geared toward consumers, but it's also geared toward like market share people and stuff like that. It's just geared toward the industry as a whole. And this week, Brad and I are, are this is basically our E3 show. I don't know why I'm beating around the bush so much about trying to say this. This is our E3 show. So at the beginning of the podcast, we always say that we're going to talk about any game at all, including new stuff, old stuff, and anything in between. This For this show, this one time a year, we're actually going to talk about everything in the future. So we're going to talk about <laughs> stuff that has been talked about at E3, maybe some brand new stuff that we didn't know about before last week, maybe stuff that got leaked shortly before E3, or maybe some stuff that we knew about, but we just got game updates or new trailers for and stuff like that at E3. Um, Brad, am I leaving anything out of this preface? No, I think you're good to go. I think we have set the stage, and I think we have uh, a bunch of games to get through. It's true, and full disclosure, because I was out of town, um, and Brad, maybe you can disclose this about yourself. I, the only, I'm, I never watch the press conferences, to be honest. I usually just look up the trailers for the games, and this year, the only actual press conference that I watched was Bethesda's, and that's because I was invited to some friends that I uh, was visiting in Salt Lake at the time when I was in my on my work conference who were watching some of the conferences, so I watched that entire one. But everything else that we're going to talk about today outside of the Bethesda conference, I just looked up trailers and watched them online, and I haven't really read a whole lot or you know read any developer interviews so i mean honestly by the time some of this info that you and i say um gets published it might be slightly outdated because i'm sure you know gameplay impressions and blah 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 have been published since then but for me personally i only watched the bethesda conference and i'm only basing all of these game opinions and um insights off of trailers that i watched that were shown in e3 which is fair. I think probably 98% of the people who talk about E3 base their opinions on the exact same thing. I mean, there's only a very, very small handful of uh, industry people who are allowed to get hands-on at these things or to go behind the scenes in certain things. So I think we are probably in the same boat as a lot of folks, and we're just going to be sharing our opinions as people who follow games as religiously as we do. And also, just full disclosure, I mean, I kind of worked one of the conferences, so I don't know if that's really necessary to put out there but as you know just in the interest of being forthright i was paid by microsoft to do some services during their conference um i was one of the sign language interpreters for the microsoft uh press briefing and also for the xbox lives uh game show that came the next day so if you were watching the sign language feed on mixer you will see me up there doing my thing um so i mean that affected my opinion about their games not at all uh, but in case anybody wants any 
you know, had any concerns about conflicts of interest or, <laughs> you know, the old the old uh, uh, reviewer on the payroll bullshit they want to roll out. I mean, I'm just saying this up front, so ahead of time, you guys know where I'm coming from. Yes, Brad, you heard it here first. Brad has compromised the integrity of our entire podcast by working for Microsoft. <laughs> so biased, so biased. Uh, but yeah, just a temporary... Uh, one-time thing i'm not on their payroll i'm not a microsoft employee i don't work for xbox it was just a a two-day uh freelance assignment so there we go excellent well thank you for your transparency brad so basically brad and i just kind of have a giant list of games in front of us uh we've both either watched these trailers at the time that they were shown at e3 or we've caught up on them later via the internet and via youtube and stuff like that and we're just basically going to go down the list we're not going to cover every game because the podcast would be six hours long if we care if we covered every single game but we're going to cover some highlights some stuff that we thought was interesting maybe for good or bad reasons um maybe make some comparisons to other games or what have you but we're just going to kind of run down our list and sorry if you saw a game reveal or if you saw a game trailer that you were super interested in, we didn't talk about it. Um, unfortunately, we just don't have time to cover everything. Uh, like I said, or the show would be 8 million years long. But um, Brad, do you want to kick us off with some of the stuff from the Microsoft conference? Yeah, we kind of have these things um, vaguely clustered by the order in which they appeared at the various conferences. That's really the, there's, they're not like in the order of our favorites or anything like that. So we'll just kind of <laughs> hit, hit a bunch here in a row. Um, I think Microsoft was the first one that came up, and uh, the first trailer was 12 minutes. I believe this one is being put out by Annapurna, I think. Does that sound right to you? That is right, yes. Okay, so I don't know a lot about this one, and we'll probably say that about every single game that comes up here. (laughs) But it was like a top-down... The trailer showed just a single room where apparently like a guy was kind of like reliving his life in a kind of a Groundhog Day scenario where he knew some secrets that his fiance had and he was like oh you know let's not beat around the bush i already know that you did xyz and she seemed all shocked and how did you know this and he's clearly like reliving this moment so he knows a cop is about to come in and he's trying to get the fiance to you know confess or whatever and then the cop comes in and the whole thing goes to hell um the idea of doing like a, i mean I, in general i'm not really up for groundhog day style games like i just don't like repeating things over and over and over but Every once in a while, one will really work for me. And this one seems really cool. I don't know if it's, the whole game is going to be in one room. I think that would be pretty amazing. Uh, or if there's going to be more, more scenarios that you go through. But just the idea of knowing information ahead of time and keeping it small. Like, if it's about conversations or about trying to, like, get through to people, I think that would be kind of cool. Because usually Groundhog Day games are all about run over here and get this thing before the time expires. Then run over here and get this other thing. And you end up doing a lot of tasks over and over and over which to me is really boring but if it's a conversation if you know information about a person if you're trying to like convince them or or to you know break through their defenses or something like that that could be pretty interesting so this one has definitely got my attention Corey, what are your thoughts um i watched the trailer for the first time um in case i haven't said this already to people listening i watched almost all these trailers about two hours ago and just kind of ran through them to, to freshen myself up for the show um so I watched this trailer for the first time about a couple hours ago. And this was one of two trailers on the list uh, that we're going to go through that I actually had, like, goosebumps as the trailer was ending. And the notes, I have a page of notes in front of me for stuff that I wrote about the game. Um, my single note line for this game says, and I quote, 
looks right up my fucking alley. Because <laughs> it does. It looks really wonderful. And I cherish... Something that I realized as I was watching all these trailers back to back is that I cherish games... I This is not to say that I don't enjoy combat in games and I don't enjoy shooters and I don't enjoy open world games and I don't enjoy all that. But something that I really cherish is whenever something that feels really different and unique and just not like the stuff that you would usually see at E3 makes its way into a major press conference like this because a lot of stuff, like let's be real here, a lot of stuff that you see at E3 press conferences is first-person shooters, it's third-person shooters, it's cover shooters, it's shooting hell demons and hell shooters. And so it feels really special <laughs> to see something like this. Um, and it just looks right up my alley. Like, it looks like a... I mean, it's not a walking sim, but it looks very narrative-heavy. I'm sure, based on the gameplay trailer, it looks like it's going to have a lot of dialogue options. It looks like it's going to be a very slow and steady sort of finding the right things to say and the right order and then every time you finish your scenario or you like die or whatever happens that brings you into the to the time loop um you know you'll learn something from the time before that you could carry into the next one and it just looks like pretty much unlike maybe anything i've played before i mean i've played some time loop games before but this looks like it's presented in a new way it looks mature and when i say mature i don't mean blood and titties mature i mean it looks like two adults sitting down having conversations about their life and what led them to this moment and then there are serious consequences that are about to um, unleash themselves at any moment and you really have to work through it as adults so it seems totally up my alley very excited about it um like i said one of two trailers that like, literally gave me goosebumps as I was watching it, so I'm super pumped about this. This is definitely one of my favorites that I saw from the show. Yeah, this is really near the top um, for me as well. As long as they don't bog it down with too much repetition of, like, tasks and stuff. Like, I don't want a lot of busy work. I want something that's really interesting, and I think a conversation would be interesting. I think going to collect an item before a clock runs down multiple times would not be interesting. So <laughs> it looks like it's on track, but we shall see. Uh, moving on, this is probably, I, I picked this one out more for you than for me, uh, the Blair Witch trailer. Um, you, you guys know, listening, that I don't play spooky games uh, not very often. And this one looked pretty spooky, kind of like running through the woods and, uh, you know, you get into a cabin and just like spooky stuff all around. I mean, it was just like, ah, I was just screaming through the trailer. I didn't want to watch it. But I thought, Corey, that you would probably appreciate the Blair Witch trailer. And I know that there was a... Um, at least one or two games already based on Blair Witch. I don't think any of them did well. And I don't think any movie... I think there's at least... I want to say there's three movies in this series. Does that sound right to you? Uh, the only ones I know of for sure are the original one. And they just made a remake of the original one like four years ago or five years ago or something. But there was a sequel to the first yeah, one. Is that I right? Think, yeah, I think there's three. So and okay. I, don't, I don't think any of those except for the first one did well so i was i was kind of surprised to see them go to this uh, because blair witch isn't exactly a property that's hot on people's minds right now it kind of seemed to come out of nowhere uh but i mean people were really excited about it and i believe the developer remind me who the developer is it's somebody who's got horror props is it uh is it bloober team or who is it it is bloober team it is bloober team god i hate the name of that studio uh <laughs> cory what what are your thoughts on blair witch all right did you pre-order already uh, no, I did not. I actually, um, I watched the trailer and the funny thing is that, uh, you know, like I said, I was kind of like casually browsing uh, social media a little bit while I was out of town and I had not heard 
a peep about this game until you provided me with this wonderful list of games, that uh, some of which you wanted to discuss. So I watched the trailer. The whole time I was watching the trailer, I mean, it's exactly like you said. It's the first person, the main character is running through the woods. He has sort of like a police dog, sort of like sidekick dog with him, and it's like spooky stuff happening. He turns around and suddenly there's like a giant red tree in front of him. The whole time I was watching the trailer, I thought for sure that this was a game by Red Barrels, who does the Outlast games, because it looks strikingly similar agreed, to agreed. Outlast. I, exactly. I was thinking the exact same thing. Yeah, and so as I was watching it, because I, I don't like the Outlast games. I don't think there's necessarily anything wrong with them. They're just not my kind of horror. And in the trailer for Blair Witch, the main character dude has like a security, he has like a little camcorder and it has a black and white screen. And that's like a staple of the Outlast games. So I thought for sure, as soon as the trailer ended, it was going to be like Red Barrel Games. And it was going to be like, this is the next thing after Outlast 2. But then when I saw the little blooper team label come up in the corner, I was like, oh, okay. So this is what blooper team is doing. Like they seem to have their hands in a lot of pies. And I'm actually happy about this because I just finished writing my review for Layers of Fear 2, which I talked about a couple weeks ago on the show. And in the span of three years, they've done Layers of Fear 1, Observer, and Layers of Fear 2. And now they have this on the way already too. So yeah, I don't know. They're busy. They are yeah, super busy. They are busy. I don't know if they have like two teams or three teams or if it's just one team that works their asses off or whatever. But I was really surprised to see that they were attached to this. Although I do think that this kind of IP lends itself well to what they can do as far as like the spatial awareness puzzles and like the visual trickery. But all that being said, I don't, I don't, I'm not interested in this game. I, I think it's going to end up being, I, I feel like Bloober Team, especially from what I've seen or playing Layers of Fear 2, which I just finished recently, it feels to me like Bloober Team is inching their way toward trying to eat Red Barrel Sandwich and or eat their lunch or whatever. <laughs> and I and I don't like Outlast and I don't like the Red Barrel games. Uh, so if Bloober Team inches closer to that, that's going to make me like their games less. And for and I mean the Blair Witch trailer, it's like a CGI trailer. It didn't seem like it was a gameplay trailer, so. Who knows what it's actually going to look like whenever it comes out. But as I watched it, I was like, man, this looks like Outlast. I don't think I'm going to like this. And then I saw Bloober Team on it, and I was like, what? Bloober Team? Like, what are they doing? Like, they need to... I don't know. Like, I just... I I feel like they're running too, too fast toward chasing the Outlast fame and success. And I kind of wish that they would... I don't know. And who knows? Maybe they will keep it, you know, in their signature Blue Team style or whatever. But I don't want chase sequences. I don't want monsters chasing you. I don't want stealth sequences where you have to watch patrolling monsters and get around them because those are all things that the Outlast games do. And given what I saw in the trailer for this, it seems to very heavily lean that way. And I hope that it doesn't. But I mean, people like the Outlast games. I'm kind of in the minority on those. So maybe this will be good for you know, the market, but not good for me. And if that's the case, then, you know, I guess I respect that, but it is what it is. I mean, those are all really good observations. Um, I don't, I do not like Outlast. I mean, if I had to pick, if I had to play a horror game and I have played horror games, so it's not like, you know, I don't play them, but I, you know, very little, I really dislike the, the Outlast games. Those are like really at the bottom for me. Um, and I was kind of interested with the dog. Like I was like, oh, okay, maybe like a dog in the woods, kind of maybe there'd be some new mechanics associated with that. But then once I saw it was a Blair Witch thing, I was like, ah, oh, nah, because like, like, <laughs> kind of like you said, it's gonna be Outlast in the Woods, and I don't like that. 
Um, but yeah, I think this this seems really kind of outside of what Bloober Team like made their name on, and I'm kind of curious about that. But I mean, I you know I, I will probably not be in line to play this unless I hear amazing things. I'm guessing I probably will just avoid it, and and maybe you will avoid it too. So I guess we'll have to wait and see. Yeah, I mean, if people rave about it as it comes out, I might rent it from Gamefly or something. I mean, even if it sees a hard disk release, I should say. Um, but as of right now, I'm just kind of not that optimistic about it. All right. Fair enough. Fair enough. Uh, moving on, probably the biggest and most talked about game at the show, Cyberpunk 2077 coming out from CD Projekt Red. Apparently, they have employed the entire country of Poland to get this game made, just like they did with <laughs> Witcher 3. Um, I know that there's been a, um, some hubbub about, you know, some some outside of the game stuff that's been happening. I think they had a couple PR people who, like, went off script or they have some they said some stuff that was not cool towards the trans community. I don't know where they stand in relation to all that stuff. Um, I have not been following it. I'm going to be just perfectly honest. I have not been following the stories. But speaking as someone who thinks The Witcher 3 is probably one of the greatest games ever created in the history of games, I am real excited about Cyberpunk 2077. Um, I mean, I... I, I'm, I'm slightly, I'm one degree less excited because it's a first person game. And I just, I just don't, those are not my preference. I mean, I play them, but they're not my favorite. Um, a little bit bummed about that. And I mean, so far I haven't seen enough gameplay to really like paint the picture for me because it looks very generically cyberpunk. It looks kind of just like a, a Deus Ex or something like that. I mean, which is fine. I mean, I enjoy Deus Ex too, but I mean, The Witcher was such a singular experience. I kind of... I mean, the bar is set really high for me, right? So I want these guys to really knock it out of the park, and I'm, I'm, I'm expecting big things out of this one, as I'm sure everybody else in the free world is. I mean, the pressure on CD Projekt Red right now must be just unimaginable. Um, so what we saw was a brief trailer about a guy with some kind of cybernetic implants, a drug deal gone wrong. Uh, there were... I mean, unfortunately, some people raised some questions about what was shown in the trailer, certain elements... Uh, racially tinged, people did not take very kindly to. There was some stuff also at E3 that people didn't take kindly to. So, I don't know. I mean, I'm pulling for these guys. I respect their work. Uh, I'm I'm playing through Witcher Tales right now, uh, also from CD Projekt Red, which is an amazing game. And I'm like, oh my god, will you guys please stop getting in trouble because your games are amazing, but like, you're bumming me out because you keep saying these things that are weird and just not cool and, and, and not politically correct. So, I don't know the whole picture, but just looking at the game, I still don't know enough to get super excited, but based on their past work, I am, I mean, unreasonably excited. So, Corey, I know that you are way more on the sci-fi tip rather than the fantasy tip, and this looks pretty much like a Deus Ex. Are you feeling this one, or, or what's your take on it? I'm having a really hard time reconciling my feelings about CD Projekt Red with Cyberpunk 2077 as a whole, because like you said, they've had... I mean, more than one, more than two, maybe more than three, like kind of at odds moments with saying things that are like insensitive to the trans community. Yeah. Yeah. And just like, and it, like, it's, it's tough for me because, you know, this game is going to sell like 800 bajillion copies, no matter what, like they could take someone on the rooftop of CD Projekt Red and throw them off onto a car and kill them. And this game would still sell like 800 million copies. So like on one hand, I don't really, there's like a piece of me that doesn't really want to support them because they seem kind of insensitive to 
the world at large, and especially because they're making a cyberpunk game. Um, but at the same time, I mean, obviously I'm interested. This is one of the biggest games to come. I mean, like you said, it's probably the biggest game to come out of E3, although we've known about it since before E3, but everybody was talking about it. And, you know, the big, big thing about it is that they revealed that Keanu Reeves is going to be in the game, and he was there at Microsoft's conference to talk about cyberpunk a little bit, um, which, I mean, on one hand, like, okay, whatever. Keanu Reeves is maybe, like, the hottest movie star at the moment right now. But I also kind of, like, don't care. Like, I don't care about Keanu Reeves being in the game. That doesn't sell the game for me at all. So I, I'm just very conflicted about this. And specifically talking about the trailer that they showed, um, they showed, like a, like, a fully CGI trailer. And I'm just like, come on, guys. Like, it's too... Your, your release date is too close to be continually showing, like, fully CGI, like, trailers. And on top of that, the trailer was, like, not good. Like, I, I, I don't think that I can trust CD Projekt Red to be as creative with a license as Cyberpunk as I wish they would be. Because to me, looking at them making this, they're making a Cyberpunk game... And what cyberpunk means to them is a bunch of white dudes with swords in their arms. Like, it doesn't really seem like anything else. Like, oh, this person can hack you with their mind. This guy has a sword in each arm. And I'm just like, okay, we've been there and we've done that. Like, it seems like it's just going to be a first-person shooter that has, like, body modification elements. And I mean, hey, you know, that's fine, whatever. But it just doesn't see... It seems like they could do so much more and that they aren't. And I was really surprised about how bad the voice acting was in the CGI trailer that they showed and how just kind of rote it all seems like, oh, it's a drug deal gone bad. Oh, it's a white dude with dark hair with swords in his arms. Like, oh, Keanu Reeves is talking about the seedy underbelly of the city. And I'm like, Jesus fucking Christ. Like, we've been in this scenario of a video game like 50,000 times. Like, can we do something else? Like, it just seems very repetitive and very rote to me with all that stuff said of course i'm going to play it of course i'm going to try it i probably will rent it instead of buying it but it just seems like what they're producing is not interesting or creative enough given what they could be producing under a cyberpunk license see now i agree with all of that based on what you just said like i think i'm i'm on board with that but my but i but i've played through witcher 3 right and so like on multiple levels, like when it comes to like them being disrespectful of certain communities, um, you know, I know that the, the trailer people were like, "Oh, great, it's a white guy killing black people." That's a really bad look. Um, they, during E three, they revealed a trailer with like a trans woman, and I guess you know they people in the trans community did not feel like that was a great look for them because it was kind of fetishizing um, the imagery. I mean, I don't know. Like, I mean, in in one sense. The CD Projekt Red is, is trying to come clean and they say they're trying to fix their, their act and get, get right. So I think there has to be some space to like let them make amends uh, because if people can never be forgiven, then what's even the point of life, right? Um, and I, in general, I wouldn't really put a lot of credit towards that, but seeing what they did with the female characters... Now, historically, CD Projekt Red has treated their female characters really poorly. In Witcher 1 and Witcher 2, not great. Uh, really not great. But they, they came around. In Witcher 3, I think it's got some of the best female characters like in the history of games, and I think they're the most well-written. And how they were handled, I thought, was like super respectful and super good and super interesting and super rich. So I 
knowing how that turned out, I am I am inclined to give them the benefit of the doubt. I do agree the trailer was not great and not not super interesting. We're not seeing a lot of elements that are really catching my attention. But knowing how good Witcher 3 was and like all of the small details that made it such a compelling play, all of the wonderful writing, all of the the great ideas that were there. I mean, those things were not really in the Witcher trailers. I mean, basically what you saw was a guy with white hair slashing monsters. It looked like any other fantasy game. But once you got into it, you know, at least for me, I was like, holy shit, this is like um, 10 levels above anything else anybody else is doing right now. So I'm hoping that it's going to be a similar situation. I'm hoping that once we get into the game women characters or trans characters or, 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 or characters of color will be treated with respect. I'm hoping that the writing will be great. I'm hoping the details will be amazing. I'm hoping there'll be a lot of cool ideas that are just not easy to show in a trailer. I mean, I'm going to give them the benefit of the doubt because they set such a high watermark last time. But I do have those same concerns. I do feel like we haven't seen a lot. I do feel like they have shown gameplay in the past. I don't know why they didn't show it this time. It is a little bit concerning. They're only showing these kind of like rando CG trailers that are kind of boring. Uh, and I am definitely ready to move on past white guy with swords. Like I'm ready for something else for sure on that. <laughs> I mean, agreed. Um, so I don't think you're wrong and I'm not disagreeing at all, but just based on my experience, you know, probably close to 150 hours with their games, I know that they are capable of doing good and correct things. So I'm going to give them the benefit of the doubt for now, but if they don't deliver, I mean, I will be the first to say so for sure. Yeah, I hope that you're right too, and I'm cautiously optimistic. And the last thing I want to say before we move on is that everybody lost their shit about Keanu Reeves showing up and being in the game. And we don't even know like at what capacity he's going to be in the game. But I want to take a second to remind everybody that in March, there were news articles circling with rumors that none other than Oscar winner Lady Gaga visiting CD Projekt Red Studio to do Oh, shit, what? Seriously? I did not know that. Seriously, yeah. If you Google, like, Lady Gaga, CD Projekt Red, you'll find it. There's some news articles out there. Allegedly, she visited their studio. So I'm hoping that maybe it... I mean, I don't even know, because the game's coming out in April. Um, I mean, whatever game conferences happen between... Um, here and then, uh, I'm hoping that maybe their next big reveal will be like Lady Gaga. I mean, and then... she's clearly going to be Queen of the Underworld or whatever. I mean, what else would she be, right? <laughs> I swear to God, if they put her in the game and she plays like a minor character that you see for one quest, I'm going to be pissed off. But I'm really hoping that those rumors are true and that she actually visited the studio and that she is a character in the game because that would be incredible. I'm very much looking forward to that. Wow. Wow. Okay. I did not, that, I did not know that. That to me, was huge. If they've got Lady Gaga plus Keanu Reeves, they've got to have, I mean, other people in there as well. I mean, there, it seems like they're swinging Hollywood on this one. So, I mean, Samuel L. Jackson, maybe, maybe somebody else is going to be in there. <laughs> Who knows? Okay. Moving on, moving on. Uh, I think probably the last game from, uh, the Microsoft presentation that I wanted to call out was the outer, the outer worlds. Is that right? Cause I keep getting this one confused with outer wilds. It's the outer <laughs> worlds, right? Yes. God, fuck. Like, there's been a lot of games lately that have been very close in title. Observation and Observer, Outer Wilds and the Outer Worlds. Like, this, come on, you guys. You guys got to differentiate a little bit better than this. But this is coming from Obsidian, who I love their writing. They have some of the best writers in game history. I love their writing. And they are crafting something which looks very much like... New Vegas, Fallout New Vegas, but set in space. Now, New Vegas is one of my favorite games of all time. 
I love the writing team. I love that style of play. Even though it's a first-person sort of thing, not usually my jam, but when Obsidian's involved, it is my jam, and I'm pretty hyped about this one. I really wanted a great follow-on, a great sequel to New Vegas, did not get it, and they kind of spun off to do like some other like top-down strategy stuff for a while. Eh, not really my thing, but whatever. They can do what they want to do. But now they're kind of getting back into the wheelhouse where I first uh, kind of fell in love with them. First person, open world, kind of adventuring, Fallout style, but in, in space. I'm down for this. I'm very, very excited for this. If it's even half as good as New Vegas was, uh, amen, sister. I'm in. Yeah, I feel like I had read about this game, but I had not actually looked in like deeply into anything about it. And whenever I started watching the trailer, I was about 15 seconds into the trailer, maybe 30 seconds if I want to give them the benefit of the doubt. And I thought to myself, God damn, this looks just like Fallout. And then Obsidian flashed across the screen and I was like, of course it looks just like Fallout because they're basically doing Fallout in space, which is exactly what you said. But I do, one thing that I really like about the premise of this game is that it's about, like, it takes place on Halcyon, which is, they say in the game or in the trailer, like, it's like the farthest space colony, I guess, like, out in the um, outer worlds, if you will. And, um, and it's a planet or, like, a colony or what have you that's sort of run by corporations, and it's very much like, you know, everybody bows down to the corporations. I mean, perhaps not unlike America today. Um... And this person shows up, this stranger, and they make a big deal in the trailer about how the person can either, like, come there and can be, like, a psychopath, or they can, like, work for the people, or they can work for the corporations. But no matter what you do, uh, the Halcyon will never be the same, uh, the lady narrator says in the trailer. And I like this idea of sort of bringing that element. I know this was more an element of Fallout 3 and not Fallout New Vegas, but that element of, like, being good or bad, because I feel like... You know, whenever there was the, the sort of the binary option of being good or bad in a game, it kind of became overplayed. And then it was really cool at first because you could be good or you could be evil and fucking every game did it. And then all of a sudden there was a lot more nuance and people were like, wow, this is really lame. Like there's a lot of gray area between being good or evil. But I kind of like the idea of like getting back to that a little bit with the Outer Worlds. So I'm hoping that that really plays into it well. And I'm sure given that what Obsidian has done before that they will be able to map out you know, whatever, like, factions you can align with or however all of your uh, behavior affects the world at large. I mean, they're definitely going to think through this thoughtfully because that's what Obsidian does. So I'm looking forward to that because if it gives you multiple ways to play through scenarios, then that probably means good replay value. So I've definitely got my eye on this, and I think it looks pretty dang good. Yeah, man, this is what these guys do best. And if they couldn't do it in Fallout, I mean, for licensing reasons or whatever... That's okay, because, I mean, I, I I think what they did is really what I fell in love with. It wasn't necessarily Fallout itself, so if they can deliver, again, that sort of experience, I'm in. Totally in, uh, good or bad, who knows? Maybe there will be a cannibal option, so that Tim Spath will be happy about that. <laughs> who knows? Who knows? Uh, okay, so moving on to the Bethesda conference. I didn't watch this one. You watched this one, but I kind of just... Uh, picked up on the trailers and kind of skated through it. Did you want to talk about the conference in general? Any notes that you want to share? Or do you want to just get into the games? Um, the only note I want to share about the conference, and I don't know if this is reflected in other conferences because I didn't watch them, but something that I think is really annoying is whenever presenters on stage will, like, cuss or say fuck and then, like, think they're being, like, really cool and edgy for saying fuck on stage. And I'm just like... We're all adults here. Like, get over yourself. You're not presenting to a bunch of, like, 
13 year olds in middle school like i like there were a couple presenters for bethesda who said fuck a couple times but they like you could just tell that they were like ooh look at us we're so edgy cuz we're saying fuck on stage and i'm like get the fuck over yourself like you're adults at a at a conference for adults like it's just so like middle school cringe edgy and i just thought it was really fucking annoying um that's my one observation from the bethesda conference as a whole it's funny you bring that up because you're actually not the first person to to say that exact thing there was a number of people who were like it was weird that they cussed in that certain way because it felt like a natural and kind of like they were trying to score cool guy points or something. I didn't see it myself, but I heard many people mention it. So, um, yeah, I don't know. Maybe they maybe they were just trying to be, you know, down with the kids these days and being, you know, <laughs> on the Snapchats and the Instagrams and saying the fuck on stage. Who knows? Who knows? Um, okay, so anyway, I only picked up on really two games from their conference that I thought were interesting. The first one... I am blanking on who makes it. Remind me if you know, but Ghostwire Tokyo. Who's the developer for this? It's somebody that I know. Yeah, this is the Evil Within people. Oh, Tango. 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 Uh, yeah, Tango Dreamworks. Yeah, is that it? yeah, yeah, yeah. Something like that. Or Gameworks or something. Tango yeah. Gameworks, I think. This is the one that had <laughs> the um, female Japanese presenter that everybody in, like instantly fell in love with. Is that right? This is correct. Yes. Okay. Yeah, I didn't. I saw it after the fact, uh, but apparently this. I forget her name, but she came out and she was really enthusiastic and cute, and like the whole world just like collectively lost their shit for her. I mean, for good reason. <laughs> she seemed pretty, pretty like a fun person. But Ghostwire Tokyo seems to be some like people disappearing in Tokyo, and you're some kind of a ghost hunter tracking down. I don't know ghosts. I guess who knows. <laughs> um, we didn't get a lot of info, but I thought the style was pretty cool. And although I have not spent a lot of time with uh, Tango. Dreamworks or whatever, whatever their name <laughs> Tango is. Tango something works. <laughs> Tango something works. Um, I do, I do kind of respect what they're going for. Um, so I'm very curious to see. And of course, I mean, everybody loves this this lady now. So I, of course, I want to see what she's doing. Uh, but yeah, I'll keep an eye on this one. Yeah, I am. Um, so something that maybe we should mention is that Tango whatever works is um, headed by Shinji Mikami of like Resident Evil fame and Resident Evil Four fame and like Devil May Cry and Bayonetta fame and. Um, you know, works on a ton of games. And um, and apparently the woman on stage who presented with him has been his sort of, like, understudy for a really long time under right, a bunch of games. Right, right. So she's taking over as that she's the creative director of Ghostwire Tokyo, which I think is wonderful. I mean, obviously having just women in general in higher positions in uh, the industry I think is wonderful. So And the fact that she was... Because she got on stage and she... It's like straight up told the audience that she doesn't know English very well. And so she was very scared and kind of like struggled through it, but did it in the most adorable way possible. So she really like, you know, kind of stood her ground on stage and did a great job. And her little mannerisms uh, were so cute. She did these little like <laughs> these little things with her hands and she like kicked up her feet at the end. And it was I mean, it was like fucking adorable. Like, I'm not going to lie. Like, it was adorable. So, yeah, it was cute. Yeah, she was definitely very enthusiastic. Um, but whenever I watched the trailer for this game, so something that I I grapple with both liking and disliking is whenever a brand new game is announced and then all they show is a CGI trailer that tells you absolutely nothing about how the game is going to play. Because then all I can wonder is like, okay, well, what is the actual game like? Because when they started presenting this, it kind of presents itself as like a spooky futuristic Tokyo where people are disappearing, almost like a rapture like situation where like their bodies are disappearing into thin air, their clothes float to the floor. And I'm thinking like, okay, this is going to be some really spooky, like 
fatal frame shit, like something weird going on. And then like at the end of the trailer, they show this fucking like Ninja Gaiden ass dude with like his bow and arrow and sword, like kind of like stalking toward the camera. And so I'm like, okay, what is this going to be? Like Ninja Gaiden meets the evil within? Like, is it going to be an action game? Because it's so, like, I thought it was setting itself up to be like a really spooky, like horror game. But then they just like bring this ninja out of nowhere with a bow and arrow. So I'm like, okay, is it going to be like an action game? Is is it possible that we could have an action game with horror elements sort of like in the style of something like Ninja Gaiden or maybe Bayonetta or something? Like, I'm not sure that those genres can be married that well. And Tango's um, history with The Evil Within and The Evil Within 2, I don't like either of those games. Like, I think I thought The Evil Within was terrible and Evil Within 2 was just okay. So, like, I'm not sure that I can trust them right now. But that being said, I'm glad that they're exploring new IPs. And this does definitely look interesting. My ears are perked up. But I'm just, like, super cautiously optimistic about this. That sounds very fair. Very fair indeed. Um, the next one, and the only the last one for me, I don't know about you, but the last one for me from Bethesda was Deathloop. Um, Hell again, yeah, Deathloop. 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 It's a loop of death. <laughs> Uh, death in a circle. That's what it's about, folks. Um, so right off the bat, notable. These are this is from the people who made the, the game that you like a lot. What is that game called? Dishonored. Yes. Okay. I I can't stand Dishonored, but I know you like it. <laughs> it's got a lot of fans. I like what it's doing. I mean, we're not going to talk about that right now. But I, I I have my reasons for for not liking Dishonored. But anyway, I respect that studio, even if I don't like their game. And the thing that like stood out to me immediately was that both of the protagonists. A man, a man and a woman were both black. And I'm like, holy shit, here's a game where not only is one of the protagonists a female, these people are both black. That's fucking awesome and amazing. So good on them for doing that. And I mean, you know, again, like most of the trailers, they didn't give a whole lot of info, but apparently there's some kind of like machine or something that like keeps people reviving when they get killed. So like this, the guy is trying to destroy the machine. The girl's trying to preserve the machine and they just keep killing each other over and over and over, but they keep getting revived. So... I mean, I don't know exactly how that's going to play out. I mean, I'm, I'm guessing you're going to get to choose, just like Dishonored, choose if you want to be the man or the woman, and then go through the campaign and see how that goes. I'm sure they're going to have some powers. They displayed some kind of, like, magic-ish powers and also some kind of semi-parkour elements and guns and swords. So, uh, I mean, I don't know much more than that, but it does look interesting, and I do give them props for featuring some uh, some black protagonists and, and for doing something a little bit outside of what I think most people would have expected. Yeah, this uh, this game looks rad as hell. I mean, obviously, I'm a huge fan of Arcane Studios, which do Dishonored and Arcane. Um, it's Arcane Austin did Prey, which is a different studio than what's making Deathloop. But this is the kind of studio where they could make anything, and I'm immediately on board with it. Like, I have total faith in them. Um, this looks slightly, you know, a little bit different than what they've done before because it kind of seems. I mean, I'm not gonna say PvP, but like the point of the game is sort of like these two like stellar assassins continually facing each other and being caught in this weird death loop. So it seems like that could add a real different element because Arcane's games are traditionally known for being these big, either open world or they have open world levels where you can go about any objective in like a million different ways and you can be stealthy or you can, you know, go in guns or swords blazing, if you will. Um, but the fact that it's sort of like a one-on-one -on -one kind of assassin thing, uh, maybe there's going to be a lot of, I don't know, immersive gameplay, or what's the word I'm looking for? Not immersive. Um, what's the word, Brad? 
I don't know. What is it? Oh, whenever like gameplay just comes out of nowhere and it's oh, like emergent. stuff happens. Emergent, gameplay. emergent. Yeah, I always say immersive. Maybe there's going to be more like emergent gameplay things going on with like the other assassin on your trail or on your tail or something like that. Um, but I mean, whatever. I don't care what it is. It doesn't matter. I have a full trust in Arcane and I am very excited about this. I'm interested. Even though I'm not a fan of their work, I respect their work and I'm very interested. Uh, what I saw seemed pretty, pretty intriguing. Uh, okay, so moving on, the Devolver conference. Now, I, I sort of watched it. <laughs> it's only it's only like twenty one minutes long. The whole thing is only like twenty minutes long, and it's on YouTube. So anybody listening to this podcast can go check it out. I mean, did you did you watch the conference? Did you check it out at all, Corey? I did not. Jesus H. <laughs> Christ, what was even going on? Devolver that's, is kind of that's their oh like God. mo though of like it doing is, ridiculous is. conferences. That is their mo. You are one hundred percent correct. <laughs> but like this was so fucking over the top, dude. I was like, I, I, I can't even put it into words. It was bloody. It was shocking. It was kind of gross. Like I was. I mean, I am not a prude. I am not easily put off when it comes to you know horror movies or anything like that. Uh, but this one kind of made me like recoil a little bit, and I'm like whoa like this is this is a bit much even for me um we don't have to say any more about it other than the fact like definitely nsfw but check it out if you're listening because it is it is something else it is something else i guarantee you've never seen a press conference like that one um i gotta i gotta say i didn't really click with a lot of what they showed and in fact i'm struggling to even remember most of it but there was one that really stood out to me and that was carrion um, I don't know who makes this. I don't know where it's from. Uh, but you play as a monster. They they, they bill it like as a quote-unquote reverse horror uh, game because you are the bad guy in this game. I mean, other games have done that too. But in this one, you, you play some kind of like a bio weapon or some kind of like weird tentacle monster that's all goopy and weird. And you climb with tentacles up and down surfaces. It looks like it's a 2D kind of a pixel-based sort of thing. Um, but look, I mean, it looks really cool and gross and creepy and you, you, you slime around all the walls and cling to ceilings and grab people with your tentacles and you eat them and you go in pipes and move between different places. And it just looked like, um, like kind of like a lab experiment gone wrong. And I just, it looked really cool and interesting and seeing the locomotion of your character with all the tentacles and stuff was really cool. So I'm, I'm definitely excited for that one. I love it when they flip the script and like you get to be the bad guy in in a way like this. So definitely looking forward to it. Yeah, this game looks super rad, and it looks really true to the kind of stuff that Devolver would put out. And the the only, like, the big takeaway I have from watching the trailer for this is that I, I can only imagine that this game was born from somebody playing the game Inside by Playdead, yeah, and they got to the I last 15 that. minutes of it. I thought and they about thought, that. Yeah, they thought, all right, let's turn this last 15 minutes of Inside into an entire video game. That's what I immediately thought whenever I started watching the trailer. Yeah, I know that there are other games that have done a similar thing, but that is definitely the most notable and most recent example of this sort of thing. And, you know, not to spoil anything, we're trying our best not to spoil anything. Um, we're not going to say any more about it. But yeah, Inside definitely touches on that ground a little bit. So that definitely did spring to mind. And I was wondering if you were going to click into that or not. So Hell yeah, I was. <laughs> <laughs> All right, cool. That one definitely looks good. I'm, that's going to be like a day one purchase for me if we don't end up getting review code, because that just looks so fucking good. Like... Tentacle monster eating eating scientists. Yes, I'm a hundred percent on board for that. Hundred percent on board. Uh, uh, next, 
Watch Dogs Legion. Watch Dogs Legion from Ubisoft. I didn't watch the conference, and most of what they showed, I was like, whatever, 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 don't care. <laughs> and to be perfectly fucking frank, I don't care about Watch Dogs either. I didn't like the first one, and I definitely didn't like the second one. Uh, but this one looks interesting, and, I mean, honestly, fuck Ubisoft, right? Like, fuck them. Fuck them six ways from Sunday. Because their games are boring and repetitive and dull, and yet I, I play them all the time, and they keep me coming back. <laughs> They, I, I keep playing them, dude. I don't know why. Like, I, I can't quit Ubisoft, and I don't even like them. And yet, I, like, everyone, yeah, I gotta play this one. I don't know why, dude. Like, something's broken inside of me. But I'm watching this, and I'm like, I didn't like Watch Dogs 1, didn't like Watch Dogs 2, probably not gonna like Watch Dogs 3, and yet, I'm excited to play this, and I don't fucking know why. <laughs> what was your take on Watch Dogs? Can you want to give us the rundown on it? Um, yeah, so I, uh, this game got leaked like a couple days before E3. That's a little bit beside the point. So basically Watch Dogs Legion, um, the first Watch Dogs was in Chicago. You played as a white guy who thought he was Batman. The second game, Watch Dogs 2, took place in San Francisco. And I actually liked, I did not like Watch Dogs 1. I wanted to like it, did not like it. The second one, I I didn't love, but I thought it was very good because it was, it kind of went in a much more like fun colorful like we're just kind of having fun hacking corporations like fuck the system kind of way it wasn't really about revenge or about some like dark origin story so i thought the second was a lot more fun and Watch Dogs legion is taking the franchise to london and basically the giant hook about Watch Dogs legion is that you, there's no one single protagonist in the game the entire game is based around um, you recruiting people into DedSec, which is like the hacker organization in, in Watch Dogs. It's sort of like the resistance or the uprising or whatever you want to call it. Um, so you recruit these different people in the game and everybody has their own sort of different amount of athleticism, different amount of, you know, weapons handling. They all have kind of specialist traits. Like one of the things in the trailer um, that they showed is you were trying to find someone who was like a drone specialist because they needed someone, I don't know, to like hack a drone or fly a drone or something. So you walk around the city until you find someone who's a drone specialist. And then you, I guess, have to like, they, I don't think they've elaborated on this, but you have to like figure out a way to recruit them or, um, you know, rescue them from a dire situation. So that way they'll trust you and then you can more easily recruit them or something like that. And one of the funny things they showed in the trailer was there's like a grandma who is this old lady like a retired assassin and there's a whole mission where she's like hacking this building with the spider bot and then she leaves the building and she's like doing takedowns with stun guns on these dudes and she's just like this old grandma on like a cardigan and like a knee-length skirt and you know it was like hunched over and of course it was done for like comedic value which was actually i thought was pretty funny um but the thing about this game other than the whole like recruiting system um that kind of, I mean, left a slightly bad taste in my mouth because I am excited to play this and I do, I'm interested in what they're doing. Although I know at the end of the day, it's going to be just like the first one. It's going to be just like the second one. It's going to be a big open world, main mission, side quest, you know, that kind of thing. Cover shooter, lots of guns, lots of takedowns. It doesn't really seem like they're doing anything new here. But the thing that left a slightly bad taste in my mouth is the fact that this seems to be kind of reverting back to a more serious and a more dark and a more intense Watch Dogs universe, more along the lines of the first one. And something that made the second one so great was that it was a lot of fun. You know, there there was stuff at stake, but it wasn't like some like dark brooding revenge story. It was just about having fun and hacking and, you know, sort of like taking down the system. But this one, Legion, looks really serious and looks really dark and it looks rainy and it looks... um. 
I, I just don't trust that Ubisoft can pull off like these sort of like interesting dark political stories well because obviously it's set in London so you know everybody that's has Brexit on their mind right now was thinking like well how are they gonna you know put Brexit into the game or something that parallels Brexit or is this a post-Brexit game or whatever and I don't think Ubisoft has the balls to like really address that they're just gonna make a game that's about you know, being hackers and shooting the cops and, you know, but they're not really going to like go above and beyond to sort of like really explain themselves. I don't trust them to do that. Um, but that being said, I mean, it still looks like fun. It looks like a weird combination of like the Metal Gear Solid five recruiting system. Cause there was a big system in that game where if you knock the soldiers out, you could like recruit them to your base. Also reminds me of um, Zombie U that originally came to the Wii U and then came to other games later because or other systems later because that was a first-person zombie shooter. But whenever every character died in that game, it was an insta-kill or it was a permadeath, I mean, and you respond to someone else with different weapons and different abilities, and then you could go recover your, um, your like, weapons and stuff. So it seems like they're kind of taking, uh, like, kind of cherry-picking some of these um, little things that have been used in games before and then bringing them to a big AAA franchise, which I think is a good idea. Um, I like, you know, this idea of having things at stake. Um, I can totally see myself recruiting somebody, playing as them all the time, really getting attached to them, thinking they're like a badass bitch who's like a sniper or like a stealth specialist or something, and then having them die and it's a permadeath that I'm going to be like torn up for ages about it. Like, I already know this is going to happen whenever I play the game. But that makes the stakes high, and I like that, um, rather than just knowing that you'll reload as the same person and then, you know, be able to continue on or whatever. The whole permadeath thing kind of raises the stakes a little bit for the moment-to-moment gameplay, so I hope that it actually feels like that whenever I'm playing the game. Um, but, you know, I'm, I'm excited about this. I think it's going to be good. I mean, I probably won't buy it. I'll probably just rent it and play it, but... Watch Dogs has a bit of a spotty track record. I'm a little bit worried about the dark tone this one's taking, but knowing that I liked the second one and it was a lot of fun, I, I'm definitely more excited about this one than not excited. I think it's going to really come down to the details. Um, I think the story, it could actually end up being a lot goofier than it looks in that trailer. You know, like it really depends on how they cut the trailer. And it seems like there could be a lot of space for humor. I mean, the granny assassin kind of says it all right there i mean how seriously can you take that right i mean it was seeing her kind of like vault over that little thing was like fucking hilarious dude um so i guess it's going to be about what tone do they come in the right and correct me if i'm wrong wasn't it one of the ubisoft guys who stood up on fucking stage and said we make apolitical games or some shit like that was that was it that guy i i don't know exactly what happened but i saw a bunch of tweets about how basically ubisoft has never fessed up to making games about political stuff like it's kind of like the division whenever the division one came out and they said like oh well this game isn't political and it's like it's just so annoying because everything is political like you're literally making a game about splinter agents in a world where people have died that are like taking back the city i mean there's so much to say that's political there we're talking about gun control we're talking about um healthcare we're talking about the right to vaccines and about science and about funding like there's just so many facets of it and the fact that they continually try to get away with these games that have big political overtones by saying oh these games aren't political like 
It just doesn't make any sense, and it's really childish. They need to just own up to it. It's like it's like when when idiots come on uh, to like any review site and go, oh, "I don't want to read a review that has opinions in it." It's like, yeah, they are fucking opinions. I mean, it's just like <laughs> Ubisoft making a game. It's purely political. Everything they make is fucking political, and they just don't fess up to it. So, fuck off with that. Whoever, whatever guy at Ubisoft said that, you're a fucking moron. But um, I am interested, and I'm very curious to see how this this recruiting thing pans out because. In the trailer, like, I, at first I heard you could recruit anybody, and that's what I keep hearing, and that sounds cool, but in the trailer they made it kind of look like there was kind of a preset crew, and I'm like, well, if it's just about finding specific people and recruiting those people, and those people are, like, pre-made characters, maybe not quite as cool. So I guess it's going to really depend on how it shakes down in practice. If it really could be anybody, again, and then I guess the next question is, how different do their skills make them? Is, is it going to feel like... You're not going to care about any character because you just respawn with a new one. Who cares? They're all basically the same. They all fire the gun the same. They all jump the same. They all have the same hacking skills. Or is it really going to make a fucking difference? Like, are you really going to give a shit if you find somebody who's like, you know, uh, really great with computers? You you don't want to get them killed because it'll be really hard to replace that person. Or, or is it not going to matter? I mean, I don't know. Like, it's really... It's curious because, like, when they tried to do that in Zombie U, um, it didn't really matter. It did not matter what person you had. I mean, it sucked to go do a corpse run if you lost your stuff and all that. But it didn't really make that big of a difference. And I, I, some games have tried this with, uh, you know, greater or lesser results. But if they pull it off where it actually feels like it matters and you give a shit and, and these different mechanics come into play, then I think that would be pretty interesting. I think I would be I would be up for some of that. But again, I don't like Ubisoft games in general. They trick me every single time. I come back to them. <laughs> I get disappointed every single time. Uh, who knows? Maybe this will be the one that finally knocks it out of the park for me. I don't know. Uh, but we... We shall see. We shall see. Uh, okay, so the next one, I just have to pause for a minute here. Uh, apparently, I am I am one of only two people on the face of the fucking earth who didn't know what kind of funny was. Like, I'm looking at the list of conferences, and I see Ubisoft, Microsoft, uh, you know, Nintendo's got a thing later on, there's a PC, and I'm kind of funny. Kind of funny. What is that? Like, I had never even heard of it. And I took to Twitter, and I'm like, am I the only person who doesn't know what... I mean, like... It's not just, it's like you're looking at a list of people presenting a conference at E-fucking-3. Like, it's pretty big time. And I have not even heard of this this thing. And, like, everybody in others is like, oh, my God, you haven't heard of Kind of Funny? Where you been living under a rock? And I'm like, what? I mean, apparently I have been living under a rock. I, I guess I'm under stone right now. Uh, because I did not ever know what Kind of Funny was. And so that sucked. Um, I painted a target on my own back and like a million people came out of nowhere to call me an idiot because I didn't know who they were. But I'm sorry if you don't watch fucking YouTube, then you don't know who these guys are. Like, I mean, I knew one of the writers, I mean, uh, Miller, Greg Miller, I think is his name. Like I had heard of him from IGN or wherever it was. He was, I mean, I've, I've heard of him as a writer, but I had not heard of kind of funny as a thing. Like I, you know, apparently it's his YouTube channel or something. It's a show or whatever. I'd never heard of it. So I'm just like, I'm sorry. People on YouTube, you think your shit is like worldwide and everybody knows? No, nobody knows. If you step outside of your YouTube circle, nobody fucking knows what you're talking about. There's an entire world of shit out there where like people just have no association with YouTube. So that was fucking irritating. I'd never heard of them. And I mean, I guess that's on me, whatever. But like, don't act like everybody in the world knows what kind of funny is because they fucking sure as hell don't. Uh, that was fucking annoying. Uh, but aside from that, they had a presentation that was like, I don't know, comedy skit or something. I skipped through all the talking and just got to the trailers. And they had, I mean, a number of really cool looking indie games. So, I mean, they were picking out some stuff that was 
Interesting. Uh, Corey, I mean, did you know kind of funny or I mean, am I, I mean, are you under the rock with me or did you know these guys? Um, I like vaguely knew of them. I knew that, um, that Greg Miller was involved, but I don't really, I've never watched anything they've done. I don't know who else is involved because I don't really subscribe to like Greg Miller's, um, like brand of comedy, I guess. Uh, like, cause he was, cause he worked for IGN for the longest time and he sort of like became the face of IGN for a long time there. Um, and he hosted the Beyond podcast, and I, uh, and he also wrote that like infamously bad like I think it was like the Uncharted three review or the Dead Space two review or something where he wrote this review for IG and it was so bad. And I remember being in college; it was probably around two thousand ten or eleven when it like went viral for being so horribly written. And like I, that's kind of the point where I just stopped paying attention. And he just kind of has that like or at least at the time, had that sort of, like, obnoxious, like, white dude bro comedy thing going, and I just wasn't really feeling it because I always just find him kind of more, like, annoying than endearing. But I know that he has a shitload of fans out there because you don't become the face of the Internet's biggest video game site without having fans. So, I mean, I know they have a bunch of fans and stuff, but it's just not my kind of comedy. It's not my kind of, um, I don't know, like personalities if you will so i have not really paid attention to it all right yeah i mean from what little i watched i'm like it's two fucking dude bros yucking it up and i'm like i don't have time for this so whatever i mean if people like it that's great i'm not gonna shit on it but i mean it just was weird to me how people like how do you not know and i'm like how do you know like i mean (laughs) get off of fucking youtube and take a walk outside or something there's like a whole earth out there where people don't know about youtube or like this one specific sub channel of youtube like you guys think it's huge but like it's not it's just like Game reviewing is not huge. You know, games, I mean, are getting bigger, but, like, there's a million people I meet every day who don't even have anything to do with games and stuff. Like, it's all just, like, concentric circles, right? And so, like, the people in the smallest circle were just being really loud about how they thought their circle was the biggest circle, and it was just kind of weird. But anyway, getting off the topic, um, there were a couple games that I thought were pretty interesting. Um, One Night Stand was one of the first ones that popped out. It had this kind of interesting kind of, uh, I don't know, like, indie... I don't know, like, rom-com kind of vibe to it. <laughs> uh, now, Corey, before the show, we, we were talking briefly. You said this reminded you of Florence. Is that right? It did remind me of Florence until I Googled One Night Stand and realized that it actually came out on PC in 2016 and is just now coming to Switch and consoles. Interesting. So I don't know anything about this. I never heard of it. Um, I had no recollection or knowledge whatsoever. But it did look interesting, and I'm definitely up for another game like Florence where it's about relationships or talking or just... Approaching something that's not guns and combat and monsters. I mean, I love those things. I love all those things. But, you know, it's kind of like, you know, I don't want to only watch horror movies. I want to watch comedies and romances and fantasy. This seems to fill a niche that is not super well served on console. So I I'm, I got my eyes open for this one. Yeah, me too. And especially um, whenever the trailer ended, it said that it was out now. So I'm assuming that that means that the Switch version is out now? I haven't looked, but I did look it up on Steam no, just to confirm. I don't think so. Oh, is it not out yet? I I checked the Switch store pretty religiously, and I don't remember seeing this one pop up. I think I don't think it's on Switch yet. 
Mm, okay, well, either way, I looked it up on Steam real quick just to see if it actually were available, and it is, and it's only $2.99 on oh, Steam. Oh, shit. Did you get it? So I didn't because I was going to check the Switch and see if it was on there, which I have not done yet. Um, but, I mean, I'm not afraid to play it on PC because I'm I'm a big old PC gamer. I'm a Master Race member now. Oh, uh, God. PC. Oh, stop, stop, um, <laughs> stop. <laughs> but uh, so if it's not on Switch and if... Or if it comes to Switch, it's like thirty fucking dollars because that's exactly what's going to happen. Yeah, um, no shit, I might, tax. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I might pick it up on PC, but it definitely does look interesting because it's kind of similar to um, like Twelve Minutes that we talked about at the start of the show. Like it yeah, seems like yeah, yeah. Uh, like a mature game about exploring relationships and exploring humanity and kind of like taking these different roads about waking up from a one night stand and how do you you know move on from that or you know don't move on from that. So it definitely seems. It seems like oddly up my alley, and I'm a little bit sad that I had not heard of it, considering it's been out for so long. But that's kind of the beautiful thing about kind of like the current game space we live in, and especially the Switch, because a lot of stuff that was PC exclusive or that really found like its niche on PC is coming to Switch or will come to Switch and other consoles. I mean, that's exactly what happened with North um, by Outlands Games that I talked about like so much last year. Uh, I just like that in a weird way, the Switch is kind of, um, like, baiting all of these, you know, several-year-old PC games, and they're coming out to the Switch and then finding their way to other consoles. So it's a good way. I mean, the more games are available to more consoles and a bigger audience, definitely the better off we are. So I'm pretty happy about that. I'm loving it, man. I'm loving all of these games that are coming to the Switch, like all these PC games that I didn't want to play on PC or all these small indie games that I just didn't know about. Uh, it It is, like basically heaven it is like the, the vita all over again um and i'm just i'm just like a pig in shit i'm just loving every minute of this I, I i like every week i swear to god i must buy at least three or five games for the switch and i'm just like i can't play them all but i like i buy them and i have them like saved up and we'll hit them eventually we'll talk about them on the show but like there is so much interesting shit coming out and this is just one more example where i'm like man i cannot wait to crack into this so um next game <clears throat> i don't have a lot to say about it other than the fact that i thought it was just like really cute and i guess it just struck me in my cute bone uh skatebird skatebird is about a little little bird on a skateboard that's all it is it's a bird on a skateboard folks that's all it is it's a little bird skating around a real small skate park on a real small skateboard and he's a fucking bird that's all i know about it but god damn it it was just real cute and i just it was like man i i it's probably not even gonna be a good game but i'm probably gonna play it because it's just so cute skatebird Corey, are you down for skatebird yeah, my my first note about this game, it says Tony Hawk meets Katamari. <laughs> yeah, it's got a weird kind of like offbeat vibe to it for sure. So I'm hoping they play it up for funsies. I hope they do something to incorporate the birdness. Like maybe you can like flap your wings and fly across a gap to keep your combo going or something. Like I hope it's not just <laughs> replacing a human with a bird because that would be kind of boring and like a waste of the, the premise. So hopefully there's something very bird-like about it other than the fact that he's a bird, but... We'll see. It's just, it's just so cute. I was like, ah, oh, we're on a skateboard. I got to play that. <laughs> yeah, it looks anyway. really cute. But something I noticed at the end of the trailer is that it said that it's, it's like, being Kickstarter funded right now. So fingers crossed that it, like, will finish its funding. I haven't checked the Kickstarter page, but I'm sure that it showing at E3 gave it a big boost. But hopefully it gets funded and it gets made because it looks very cute. There's no way it's not going to get funded, dude. There's no way. All they got to do is post a couple <laughs> gifts of that little fucking bird going around a skateboard. Funded. Instantly funded. There's no way it's not going to make it. All right, moving on. Uh, Lucifer Within Us. Uh, this one caught my eye because if... Remind me if... 
if I am correct or if I'm not correct, this is the one that had like um, Hitman vibes, isn't it? Is that right, Corey? Uh, I mean, that might be Ish. a little bit of a stretch, but it's top seemed... down Hitman, Hitman Go vibes, maybe. Yeah, that. yeah, maybe slightly Hitman Go vibes. Um, seemed to be about time management and about like people doing their routines, and you can like obstruct their routines. I'm not really sure what the point of the game is, but it looks interesting. Wait a minute, did I even say the title of the game, or did I forget? I, I think you said it, Lucifer Within Us. Lucifer Within In case I forgot, Lucifer Within Us. It's kind of like an isometric top-down. It kind of gave me, like, yeah, I mean, time management, learning people's routines, but killing people. <laughs> so it had a little bit of a Hitman flavor to it. Hit, you know, top-down Hitman. Um, so I don't know. I mean, I don't know much more about it, but it was interesting enough to where I was like, oh, okay, well, you know, I like strategic killing. I mean, who doesn't like that? And being the big <laughs> Hitman, pro-Hitman podcast that we are, even though this is not Agent 47, I, I thought that there might be some elements in here that might appeal to both of us, perhaps. So maybe once we get some more information. I think it's definitely worth looking into, though. I think so, too. I mean, the only thing I was worried about is that, like, there seems to be a lot of on-screen menu stuff going on because it kind of shows you the timeline of every person in the current frame. And I was like, oh, man, that looks like it's going to be a lot to keep up with. But... It looks interesting. I'm sure that they've hopefully elegantly figured out a way to manage that. It looks like the kind of game... I was getting very slight um, Invisible Hours vibes from it because it seems like the kind of game where people are going about their routines and you can, like, pause the game or reverse it or fast-forward it. I don't know if that's true, but it seemed that way from watching yeah, it in the trailer. Yeah. Um, and then you can, like, sort of... The, game, the trailer sort of led you to believe that you were playing is sort of like an entity that possesses these people. So, I mean, I guess Lucifer within us that kind of says it right there, but you can like possess the people to maybe like murder somebody in the level. Like, I don't know if there's like a target in every level that you have to like possess people out of their timelines to kill, but it definitely looks intriguing to me. Yeah, for sure. I'll keep an eye on it. I don't know. I mean, it may, it may go sideways. Who knows? But uh, there was enough there for me to raise an eyebrow and that's not something I could say about every game. That we saw, <laughs> so. uh, the next one, I don't know if this is going to be my thing. Probably not going to be my thing. I probably will not even play this game, but I thought it was worth mentioning. It's called Super Liminal, and the trailer was just really stunning. I recommend that everybody go and track down the trailer that they showed at E3 because it played some really cool tricks with perspective. Um, but depending on how you position your camera, it's a first-person game, and I don't, I don't know what the premise is. I don't know what you're doing. I don't know anything about it. All I know is what they showed on that trailer and what they showed in the trailer were some really cool camera tricks where you would look at a, an object, like say, for example, you're looking at a house, but if you position your camera in such a way, you can make it bigger or smaller because like if it's, if you move your camera far away, the house will look smaller. And if you pick up the house, even though like it's impossible to pick up a house, but if like you pick up the house on the screen, it will be the actual size that you, that it looks to be in the distance. Uh, or if you go closer to it, it will be much larger, and if you pick it up when you're closer to it, it will physically be larger. And they did this trick over and over and over with, like, like boxes. Like, there's a small box on a desk. You pick it up at a distance, and it's a teeny tiny hand-sized box. But then you move the camera closer and pick it up, and it's a giant box that you can, like, use to climb up on top of and get up into a higher place. So they do these really cool, like, perspective tricks. I know, I'm sorry if I'm not explaining this very well. It's a very, <laughs> very, very visually striking trailer that plays a lot of tricks with your mind. And so, like, seeing that things are not necessarily as far away as they look or that they're not as big as they look and seeing all these things happen in real time um, was really cool. Like a very cool trailer, very um, just so tricksy and PC and indie. Like it was very cool feeling. Um, but like I said, I, I probably won't play it. I don't know anything about it, but just seeing that stuff happen, very neat, very impressive. 
Yeah, so this game looks... This is game number two that gave me goosebumps whenever I watched the trailer. Um, okay, I was wondering what number two was. Yeah, when I first started watching it, I thought... Well, first I thought, what the fuck's going on? And then... Second, I thought, okay, how do you actually play this game? Because like you said, it's kind of like a weird, like kind of spatial awareness thing where you like pick up an item and then you like turn around and you drop it in a certain way where like you pick up a dollhouse and then you drop it on the ground and suddenly it's like a full size house that you get to walk into. Exactly, exactly. Yeah, and it's like, I, I don't, kind of like you said, I don't know what the objective is here. I don't really know like what the point of the game is, but it seems like one of those just... Games that can bring something new, like sort of like how Portal felt really new and fresh whenever it came out. It seems... I was going to say Portal. You're reading my yeah. mind, man. <laughs> yeah, it seems very similar to that. And I just, you know, my my last on my my very in-depth notes sheet that I have right here in front of me that has like a sentence for every game. My last sentence for this just says that it feels really special. And it's it's nice to see games like this in much like 12 Minutes, the first one that we talked about, where there's a lot of, you know shooty bang games there's a lot of cover shooter games you know horror games whatever those are great i like them i can get behind them but seeing something like super liminal it just feels special just watching the trailer it just you i don't know for me i just got that feeling that like wow this feels unique and it feels like something that's never been done before and i hope that the trailer lends itself to what the game is actually doing and that it plays as well as it looks and i also hope that it's not too hard because this is the kind of game that looks like it could go down the path of being very difficult in a very kind of not fun puzzle way um sort of like the spectrum retreat or something like that like a game that starts off really intriguing but then it gets too hard too fast so i'm crossing my fingers that it doesn't end up being really difficult but it just feels really special and i this is you know like i said one of two games out of all the trailers i watched that gave me goosebumps whenever I watched it. It just feels like it'll be something really fresh. Yeah, this is one of those times when you look at something and you're just like, fuck, these guys have just <laughs> realized something that nobody else has realized, you know? Like, they just have a new idea or are, are leveraging this specific medium and all the things that it can do in a way that other people just haven't even conceived of. Um, you know, one other thing, uh, one other game that kind of uh, is along these same lines, I have not played this yet, but I've had a thousand people tell me I should play a game called Baba Is You. Have you heard of this game? I don't think so. It's on Switch. It's also on PC. It's already out, so this is not an E3 thing. But speaking about games, like, you know, like Portal, when Portal came out and they started doing the portals and people's minds were fucking blown, like, oh my God, this is a new thing we can do in games and how do we apply this? seeing the size changes in Superliminal, it seems like another, like, oh my God, this is like an amazing thing we can do. Uh, Baba is You, like I said, I have not played this, but people have been recommending to me like every fucking day and I'm, I'm going to get to it, I swear. But apparently it's it's some kind of game where you can change the rules of the game to like affect what you can do and how you can get through puzzles and stuff. I don't entirely know exactly how it works because I haven't bought it yet. Uh, but people tell me it is another one of those games where it's like, oh shit, this is like another like mental breakthrough in game design where this is a thing that hasn't really ever been done before. So it's, it's pretty high on my list to check. I'm definitely going to try to get to it before the end of the year, but like portal super liminal Bob is you, those kind of games I think are worth checking out. Even if you end up not liking them or even if you don't click with them, just the fact that somebody is like taking that step and bringing like a whole new color to the palette is something that's worth, worth looking at, you know? Yeah, I, uh, I'm definitely behind these kind of like new things that feel fresh in games. I haven't heard of that, so I'll have to look that up after the show. 
yeah, check it out and let me know what you think. Maybe we can coordinate, we can play it together or something. I've heard it's it's pretty mind-bending, but in like a really good, fresh, unique way. So we'll be talking about it before too long, I'm sure. Uh, moving on, the last one that I had picked out from Kind of Funny was Undying. Um, so, okay, this one's right in my wheelhouse. I had to pick this one. I could not pick this one because everybody knows I have a weakness for zombie games. <laughs> and this is, uh, from what I could tell, it's it seems like a child and a mother... So props for having a mother, uh, you know, as the main character. Uh, it seems like the mother is bitten and in a zombie apocalypse. And you're, I guess you're on like a countdown before she turns zombie. And so you have to like figure out a way to get your child to safety or to find a place for them to be. You know, keep them out of the harm's way with all the zombies around. But also get ready because you're going to be the one that's going to chow down on them if you don't find them a place soon enough. Um, it had kind of a, a strange visual style to it. It seemed kind of like... A, I don't even know how to even describe it. Just kind of like a, I want to say like a coloring book kind of a style to it, but that's not exactly right. Just kind of like a line drawing sort of a visual to it. Uh, and the idea of, I mean, as a parent myself, I am, I'm weak to these concepts because it's something that preys on all my insecurities. And I know the responsibility of, of having um, a child and how much, you know, love and care and stress that is. And just the thought of like, oh my God, like, you know, being on a countdown clock before you turn is like horrifying. And I mean, this thing just like really preyed on my fears in a lot of ways, but in a good way. And it also kind of reminded me of, you know, the walking dead season one, which was, I think a, re a pretty landmark game in many ways. Uh, I wouldn't mind seeing some of that territory explored a little bit more. Uh, so this one looked very, very interesting to me. I mean, a lot of ways it could go wrong, but a lot of ways it could go really right too. Corey, what do you, what do you, what did you think? Um, I watched the trailer and I was like, Oh, another zombie game. That's just what we need. <laughs> that, that, that is a Corey-ass answer. I'm not surprised at all. Uh, this, Like I said, this this is like Brad Bait. It is, it is made of kryptonite for me, but kryptonite that I cannot resist. So uh, I, will, I will definitely be talking about that when it comes out, and I'll just tell you about it. You don't have to play it. We'll just, we'll just skip that. Um, moving on, we've got a couple more. We've got a handful of games here. Uh, here's one that I absolutely don't give a shit about, but I know a lot of people are really excited about. Doom Eternal. Uh, I respect what Doom did, the new remake, but it's just not my shit. Not, you know, no no complaints. I don't have any criticisms. It's just not my thing. But I know that you liked it a lot, Corey. So are you are you equally psyched about Doom Eternal? Yeah, I, um, I really loved Doom 2016, as I have made um, very clear on the show several times. And I also wrote the PS4 review for it on Game Critics. I can't remember what I gave it, but I think it was upwards of like eight or so, eight and a half maybe. Um, and, you know, kind of leading up to Doom Eternal, I haven't really been that excited about it. And I think that's mostly because I haven't really been paying attention to it. Because in my mind, I'm like, yeah, it's going to be more Doom. I'll play it. I'm sure it'll be fine. My reservation about Doom Eternal is that it looks like it is mostly taking place in hell. And my least favorite parts of Doom 2016 were the parts where it was in hell. I liked the parts where it was on Mars or it was in the facilities or in kind of like the weird corridors of this futuristic science fiction facility. So I'm a little bit concerned about that. But during Bethesda's um, conference, they basically just showed like a long gameplay trailer for this game. I mean, it wasn't presented in a cinematic way. It wasn't a CGI trailer. It was like the exact opposite of what everybody else was showing. And I mean, I'm sure that they did it this way because it's not that far off. I think it's coming out in like October or November or something. So it's, you know, right around the corner. Um, but it was just this long stretch of gameplay. And I was just watching it and thinking, just like remembering 
all the things that I loved about Doom 2016, about how fast it is, about how ferocious it is, about how, you know, if you stop moving for two seconds, you're dead meat, you know, right there. Like, you got to keep moving, you got to keep fighting. And it just looked really, really intense. And, like, as soon as the trailer was over, I just, like, you let out a big breath. And I was like, God damn it, that game looks so good. Like, I don't need to see anything else. Like, it's, I know it's just going to be more of the same, more of what I want, but it looks like they're adding a few things to it. Like they're adding like climbing bits to it. They added like a, it looks like the Doom soldier dude has like a gun, like a shoulder mounted like gun thing. So I don't know if there's like sub weapons you can attach to like your shoulder that shoot for you or that do laser guns. Like, I don't know, but there's, they've added a few extra things. And I don't think it's going to be enough to like you know, make it feel like it's this huge leap forward and, you know, the Doom universe, but I think it'll be enough to make it feel really fresh. And it just looked really ferocious in the gameplay demo. And that's exactly what I want out of it. Like a game where you feel like you just cannot catch your breath and you have to keep moving and you have to keep running and gunning or you're going to be toast. And that's pretty much exactly what Doom means. And I am totally here for it. Um, I think uh, one of the sentiments I had expressed about the original game, I don't remember if I ever wrote this or said it, but I definitely thought it at the time of playing Doom 2016, was that, um, like, Doom is not here to impress you. Like, you are here to impress it, and that's very much how I feel about Doom Eternal. It looks like that. It looks like you're here to fucking play this game or else you're going to be toast, and I, man, I'm just really pumped. It looks really fun. Cool, no shooter. Looking forward to it. <laughs> Fuck you. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so moving on, something that I was surprised to see you call out, uh, on your list you have uh, Breath of the Wild, the sequel. Now, are you very interested in this one? I don't recall you talking much about Breath of the Wild. Is that my poor memory, or where is this coming from? No, you are not. Uh, you're not wrong here. I did not play Breath of the Wild. I watched Patrick play some of it. Um, I basically just added it to our list because I feel like it, it was a pretty landmark, um, I guess, uh, announcement because the, it, this wasn't leaks beforehand. Nobody knew it was coming and it was kind of a big deal. And a lot of people are um, excited about it as I mean, I guess rightfully so, because I know like Legend of Zelda isn't really my thing. I know you weren't super hot on Breath of the Wild, so, you know, this game might, like, lose a little bit for us. But the interesting thing about the Breath of the Wild sequel is that there's a lot of rumors that you can actually play as Zelda in it, which is something that the series has never explored, or am I wrong about that? Oh, man. I'm not the Zelda expert, but I want to say... Uh, I... I don't think so, but I'm not the Zelda expert, but I think you're correct. At least well, in the mainline Zeldas. I know you could be Zelda like in Smash Brothers, but <laughs> I don't think that counts as far as the main series. So you're probably correct. Yeah, that seems to be kind of a big talking point about it, but I don't really have a lot to say. I mean, I'm sure it's going to come out and sell like eight bajillion copies or whatever, but it was kind of a landmark announcement. So I figured I would add it to our list. Yeah, it's cool. I mean, I was I was hot and cold on Breath of the Wild. I thought it had a lot of really cool parts, but there was also a lot of parts that just really dragged it down too. Like I don't think it was uh, I mean, I just I just wasn't as deeply in love with it as some people were. I mean, there were some parts of it that I thought were really fucking irritating, but there were also a lot of great things. So, I mean, interesting that they set out in that new direction, and I'm just very curious as to what they're going to do. I mean, rather than just do more of that. I mean, hopefully they're going to have another fresh take. I mean, I read an interview with uh, one of the developers after E3 
and he was saying that the main impetus for creating the sequel was because the development team who worked on Breath of the Wild had so many ideas for new scenarios and for like DLC that they didn't implement that they actually had enough to like make a new game out of all that stuff. So oh. if it's fresh, if they've got new ideas, I will definitely come back. I mean, I enjoyed it. I finished it. I thought it was good. Like I, did, I didn't dislike it. I thought it was good. I mean, it wasn't perfect. I had issues with it, but I thought it was good and I'm glad I played it. I thought it was a great game. Um, but if they, if they just, if they do more of that again, I don't know that I will stick it out this time, but if it's, new and interesting and different if these guys are bursting with ideas like he says they were that sounds like a pretty cool thing to me so i'll definitely check it out absolutely um final fantasy 7 remake that's a thing that happened uh i played final fantasy 7 back in the day just like everybody did who was old enough to play games back then <laughs> and i thought it was f i mean cool at the time i've kind of lost some love for it over the years i've kind of lost love for final fantasy in general over the years um but this remake i mean it looks different looks definitely updated and they're doing different things apparently they're going to break it up into chapters now and each chapter is supposed to be its own game which is pretty crazy so maybe i will come back in for this one although lately i have been poo-pooing most of the square stuff what uh, what's your history what's your thought on this Corey? final fantasy 7 remake um i just like you played Final Fantasy VII back in the day. I remember it being on approximately 15 PC discs back in the day. Um, <laughs> and But I never finished it because I... I mean, I'm not... I never was, um, you know, sort of like a RPG kind of guy, especially not like a traditional, you know, JRPG kind of guy. But I dabbled in it just as everybody did back in the day because that was the game to play. Um, so... I, I don't know. I'm, I don't really know if I'm going to play the remake. Like I kind of, maybe I'll like rent it and kind of give it a test, but it doesn't really seem to be moving in a direction that's really going to capture me. Like it seems like it's very much the traditional game that we all know and love, except for just like, you know, breathtakingly beautiful and updated in all of its, you know, graphics and everything. I mean, I would maybe say the same thing similarly to maybe like the Resident Evil 2 remake in a way where, I mean, I guess the Resident Evil 2 remake kind of added like an over-the-shoulder camera and stuff, so maybe it's a little bit different. Maybe it's closer to like the Resident Evil remake on GameCube um, where it's just like the same game that you remember but just updated visually. So I don't, I don't really know if I'm going to play this. Like, you know, maybe it'll be updated enough in a way that'll finally get me into JRPGs, but I don't really think that's going to be the case. But it's definitely a, kind of a hot game, and they finally announced the release date for it, so that was a big deal. So I figured I would throw it on our list to discuss briefly. I mean, it's going to be huge. It's going to be one of those, like, event games where, like, anybody related to gaming will have to play it because everybody's going to be talking about it. And if you don't play this what are you even doing? Do you even game? You know, like it's gotta be, it's gotta be one of those things. Like, I don't know that it's necessarily going to get me back into JRPGs. Cause I've really fallen off JRPGs real hard over the last couple of years. I just, I just don't really have an interest in that genre anymore. Um, but I'll, I'll come back to this. I'll check at least the first one, you know, and who knows when the next one's going to come out. It took them a million years to get this one out the door. So, I mean, I'll, I'll look at it and see it and, you know, we'll talk about it and it'll be a thing. And I, I just don't even know. It's going to be so big. We're, we're, there's no way to avoid it. We will be talking about this. <laughs> There's no way to avoid it. That's a good way to put it. No way to avoid it. I jumped over one on our list. Let me go back a little bit. Animal Crossing. Uh, are you an Animal Crossing fan, Corey? They just announced one for the Switch, and I know a lot of people were really, really anticipating this. 
um, especially after the mobile Animal Crossing being kind of a not a great game from what I heard. I played it for a few minutes and I bailed out, but people were saying like it was really just not very friendly. It, it did not capture what was great about Animal Crossing. A lot of people were very disappointed by that one, so they wanted a true return to form, which this appears to be. Uh, are you an Animal Crossing guy? Back on the GameCube, I was. I remember renting it and not really knowing what it was and then kind of falling in love with it and then buying it after the fact. And the strangest thing about Animal Crossing was that my mom actually played it like very religiously for years on the GameCube. She was in love with Animal Crossing. I it's think like I the... remember we, we <laughs> talked about this. I remember your mom loving it. Yeah, I've yeah, I think I've talked about it a couple of times on the show before and she she loved it and I'm definitely like I'm not one of those people who, you know, every time there was a Nintendo Direct like, you know, was sending Anthrax to Nintendo's headquarters for not oh, Jesus Christ, for not God. like talking about a new Animal Crossing. <laughs> but, you know, it's something that's like pleasant and fun and I don't know if I'll buy it, but I might um, you know, rent it and just kind of play it and see if it's any fun and it's just, I don't know, kind of a franchise that's been dormant for too long, and I'm a little bit, I'm like, I'm like a tiny bit pumped about there being a new, like a new, real, proper Animal Crossing again after so long. Oh, man, I don't know how I feel about it, because when the first Animal Crossing hit, that was kind of a revelation. I mean, a lot of people were really into it. I was really into it, played it obsessively, traded items with people online. I even got, like, at the time, you could buy, like, a little, like, game genie cheat disc to unlock stuff and i bought that thing because i got sick of like trying to collect money and everything so i just like played the hell out of that and spent a lot of time really enjoyed it a lot um but like as each iteration has come out it just kind of feels like the same thing over and over and i've liked it like less and less because i don't feel like it really does anything different now i mean i think there's certain value in in maintaining an experience so that new generations can play it i mean i think maybe my son would really like getting into this or I don't think my wife has ever really spent much time, if memory serves. Maybe I'm wrong, but she might like something like this. And I like it, too. Like, I'm not saying it's for girls and kids. I'm just saying, like, I've played so much of it. I, I don't misunderstand me. Let me be clear. I love, I like this game when it was new, but I don't want to play five of them. So, like, you know, I, I'm just saying that people who have not spent as much time with them would probably enjoy it more than me. That was not a not, that was not supposed to be a put down or anything. Um if it's new, if there's something new, I wouldn't mind coming back to it. Like, I would I would like a little something to chip away at, you know, when I get in bed, get the Switch, just, you know, play for 15, 20 minutes, do something. But if it's just basically the exact same thing with, like, oh, now you're on an island, and then you can, you know, like, if there's just not too much new, uh, I don't know if I, I don't know if it's going to really keep my attention. So I'm hoping it finds that magical balance of being new enough to be different, but not so different that you don't recognize what it is, and we'll see how it lands. I'm, I'm not mega hyped, but I'll keep an eye on it. I'll keep an eye on it. I feel in a similar ballpark to you on this. Okay. All right. Moving on, the Avengers project coming from Squaresoft. Is that is that right? Squaresoft? They do this. Square Enix? Yeah, Square yeah. Enix, that one. Yeah. This is the Avengers game that they've been talking about for a while. I don't know if they maybe missed the boat because it's coming after uh, Endgame has already hit theaters and stuff, but... You know, people still love Marvel. Marvel is still a thing. I'm sure this will be well-received. Uh, it looks... I mean, it, it kind of seemed like they were showing gameplay. From what I could tell, some of it was gameplay. Some of it was CG. Looks like it's going to be a behind-the-back third-person action. You know, basic kind of a... Just basic third-person action game, from what I could tell. I mean, who knows what's all involved. But uh, I think the thing that everybody was talking about and the thing that strikes anybody who sees this trailer 
is that these are not the movie likenesses. These are not the movie actors. And so a lot of people were like, what's this? Uh, Captain America <laughs> looks wrong. And Iron Man, that's not Iron Man's voice. And I mean, I mean, of course it's not because, I mean, do you know how much uh, Robert Downey Jr. gets paid these days? How much Chris Evans gets paid? There's no way Square Enix can pay these guys for their uh, the rights to use their likenesses. So it's all video game equivalent wannabes. Like, this is not, like, movie-specific, which may be a turnoff to some people. It doesn't bother me that much. But it's, you know, it just seems like a kind of a standard actioner. I, I'll, it seems like a Gamefly rental to me. Like, I'll probably just rent it one weekend, play it, and send it back. I mean, I'm not super excited, but I'll, I'll keep an eye on it. What about you? Yeah, my big... So here's my big thing about the Avengers project is that they've been Square Enix has been teasing this project for I mean not even really teasing they just basically have been saying like we're doing it for a long long time and the thing that I always knew about it was that Idis Montreal the developer of two of my favorite games of all time Deus Ex Human Revolution and Deus Ex Mankind Divided that that. they were yeah that they were involved and so for the longest time I thought maybe foolishly thought that this was Idis Montreal's, like, next big thing. You know, they made Deus Ex Mankind Divided. Unfortunately, it didn't sell that well. And that the Avengers project was going to be, like, their next huge thing. But it turns out that, much to my chagrin, it's actually Crystal Dynamics co-developing it with Idis Montreal, which is a similar situation to what's been happening with all the Tomb Raider games. Because, like, the Tomb Raider reboot was Crystal Dynamics, and I think Idis Montreal did the multiplayer for it, and I think kind of the same thing happened with the second one. And then Shadow of the Tomb Raider, which came out, I don't know, a year or two ago, that was uh, made by Idis Montreal. And for some reason in my mind, I was thinking Idis Montreal, like, their, like, B team that did Thief 4, which came out and sold, like, 42 copies um, that, that, that they were doing uh, Tomb Raider's Shadow of the Tomb Raider and then like the A team which is the Deus Ex team was doing the Avengers project so I mean I definitely wasn't expecting it to be like the like Deus Ex reskinned as the Avengers or vice versa like I didn't think it was going to be like that but then whenever this trailer came out it looks to me and I hate to say this that it's just going to be, like, really boring Tomb Raider cinematic action, but with an Avengers skin on it. And I'm not very excited about it. Because the thing about Tomb Raider is is that it's just very sort of, like, traditional third-person combat. It's not innovative in any way. The combat's not really interesting in any way. You don't really have to think while you're playing it. Um, you know, it just kind of ticks every box that you would expect a game to tick, you know, something like that they're following after like the Uncharted model or, you know, just like there's climbing because of course there has to be climbing. There's a little bit of exploration because of course there has to be exploration. There's crafting because of course there has to be crafting. There's weapon upgrades because of course there have to be weapon upgrades. It just like ticks every single box. And I'm extremely nervous knowing that Crystal Dynamics is sort of like the headlining studio on this that it just feels to me like after um, Deus Ex Mankind Divided didn't sell very well that Square Enix just keeps like slapping Idis Montreal on the wrist and they're like, no, 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 we're not going to let you develop anything new. We're going to let you sit in the corner with your parent, Crystal Dynamics over here, and you get to be the little kid now that like co-develops these things, but you're not like 
actually having any creative input on it. Like we're gonna let Crystal Dynamics do that, but you just get to sit over here in the corner and kind of help them whenever they need the help. That's very much like the vibe that I'm getting from this whole thing. And the thing that bothers me is that, I mean, the Deus Ex games, they do take a lot of boxes. They do have character upgrades. They do have weapon upgrades. They have open world areas. But I think that the way Idis Montreal, like the, the amount of detail they give to the world and the cohesiveness that they give to their environments and their clothing and their characters and their design lends itself to a better, more interesting product than what Crystal Dynamics does with Tomb Raider. However, because the Crystal Dynamics Tomb Raider games kind of appeal to the greatest common denominator of gaming or of gamers, which unfortunately means that those games are a little bit more boring, it feels like they're doing that with the Avengers. Like, it feels like they're just going to try to tick every single box that they possibly can to make it as big and as marketable to as many people as possible. And to be frank, I don't think it looks that interesting. I think it's going to be a lot of boring QTE cinematic action. Um, I'm just not... And I, f I feel like they kind of missed the boat. Like, Avengers Endgame is over. Of course, there's going to be more Marvel movies. Of course, like... People from the Avengers are probably going to come back in some way, shape, or form in the future. But I just, like, I can't help but feel like them releasing this after sort of, like, the giant first chapter of, you know, the, this phase of MCU movies is closed. Like, it just kind of seems like they missed the boat a little bit. Like, I I don't, I don't know. Like, I just don't expect this to sell well. I, I want to be excited about it, but I just am not like knowing that crystal dynamics is kind of in the driver's seat on it and that they produce games that i find way less interesting than what idis montreal is doing and really i just want like square enix to give idis montreal another chance and let them like really develop a game because all of the studio heads from idis montreal that i'm so used to seeing um like have been nowhere to be found since deus ex mankind divided and i keep wondering like did they get laid off? Did they work for the studio at all? Have they moved different studios? But I haven't heard anything about it. So, like, I don't know. I hope they have something up their sleeve because this Avengers thing just does not look very interesting to me. Yeah. I mean, first off, uh, props for saying the word chagrin. I don't hear that out loud very often. So a little props to you for that. I appreciate it. Yeah, I mean, everything you said, yes. And it just, like you said, it just looks like it's going to be, like, one of those weekenders. Like, I'll rent it. It'll be, like you know, action by the numbers and a couple cool set pieces and then you're done and you just kind of forget that you played it like a day after you finish it, you send it back to Gamefly. So if it, if it gives me like four and a half hours of, oh, that was pretty good, then I'm going to call that a win. But I, I'm expecting nothing from it. I'm expecting we will not be talking about it in a year. We will forget it even exists in a year. It'll be like one of those licensed tie-in games that we're not getting a lot of lately. And it'll be like, oh yeah, that's right. We used to get these all the time. So... Um, I'm going to jump ahead a little bit and then we'll circle back. Uh, the last game on our list is Elden Ring. This is the one coming from FromSoft, makers of everyone's favorite Dark Souls. And this <laughs> is the one where they're kind of, <clears throat> I guess they're kind of vague about how they're collaborating with, but they're in some capacity collaborating with George R.R. R. Martin, who is, of course, the person behind Game of Thrones. And so apparently, like, he is consulting on, like, world building and and lore or something like that, but it's kind of uh, a new FromSoft joint. Uh, they they have not said exactly what this is going to be, but it definitely, from the trailer, looks like they have 
uh, gone back to their shit, and it looks like they're doing the Dark Souls-ish thing again. It looks very Souls-ish with, like, armor and swords, and the trailer was, like, really dark and moody, and, you know, <laughs> it's going to be sad in some parts probably, and just grim. Um, I mean, I like FromSoft. I'm definitely a FromSoft fan. Uh, that said, I'm definitely kind of burned out on Souls stuff. Uh, I don't know that I'm ready to go back into another FromSoft Souls-ish game. I just played through Sekiro, which I talked about multiple times on the podcast, and that kind of, it was okay, but kind of left a semi-bitter taste in my mouth at the end, and I don't know, I just, I just I'm not sure what George R. R. Martin is going to bring to this. I mean, up front, I'm not a Game of Thrones fan, not to say that he is a poor writer or that it's it's bad, I just, I've never really engaged with Game of Thrones, so I don't know anything about it. I'm. It's kind of ironic, because I'm actually really familiar with his work from way before Game of Thrones. I've read a lot of his older books and I knew him from back in the day and I was kind of surprised to hear that he had become so famous with Game of Thrones, but I have not been keeping up on his more recent stuff. And I just don't think George R. R. Martin sounds like a good thing that I want to be in a Dark Souls game. Like, it just seems really weird to me. Uh, the thought of a bunch of people talking about, like, I don't know. Thrones and games doesn't sound good to me. So I don't it's an know. Actual, it's an actual game of Thrones. Game though, of Brad. Thrones, right? I know. Like, <laughs> they I don't know. It that. <laughs> seriously, seriously. Uh, it's just, I just don't have a feeling on it. It's not a selling point to me. And I still have some souls fatigue. So I watched the trailer and I'm like, okay, cool. But you guys only got away from souls for the span of exactly one game. And now you're back on it. So I was kind of hoping they would take more of a vacation from it. I mean, I'll probably check it out by the time it comes out, but I'm not going to say that I'm really stoked or excited about it. Um, I'm sure this is number one on your two playlist, though, Corey. Oh, yeah, totally. I just pissed myself a little bit whenever I saw this coming <laughs> couple, out. because A couple drops right in the front. Yeah, I'm, I'm such a big Game of Thrones fan. I'm such a big FromSoft fan. The Souls games are my favorite. Every game I play, I compare them to the Souls games because that's what we do now. I'm so excited for this game. Uh, I know some people are psyched, and there's a certain contingent of people who will play anything that seems even remotely Souls-like, and that's fine. I mean, if you just live and breathe on those, that's that's cool. You know, it's no skin off my nose. But, oh, man, I was really hoping they would kind of stay away from this for a while. I really wanted, like, the Armored Core remake. Um, I mean, they're a talented studio. They're capable of doing so much. I, I kind of wish they would give it a breast, especially with so many other Souls-likes coming out. I mean, Code Vein is coming out soon. Um, the uh, the Surge 2 is coming out. There's a, a bunch of other ones that are all really Souls-inspired, and I feel like there's just like a lot of this going on right now. So I guess we're just going to have to keep waiting for that uh, that uh, Armored Core remake, goddammit. But we'll see. I mean, I'll check it out. Of course I'll check it out, but I just... Yeah. <laughs> I just wish wish they would take more of a break. I just, I'm just not ready to go back there yet. <laughs> um, so the last thing on our list is kind of the only really huge hardware announcement that came from E3. Microsoft's Project Scarlet, they announced this as their next box. I mean, we knew it was called Project Scarlet. I thought they might <laughs> <Next> share it. <box. laughs> the next box, Xbox. Uh, I thought they would give us the official name. They did not give us the official name. Uh, but they just said, hey, here's a super powerful box. It's going to be the biggest, baddest motherfucker out there. You're going to be able to use it as your own personal server. But they didn't really go into details about what that meant. It's going to have ray tracing, but nobody knows what that does. Um, you're going to get the Microsoft Elite Controller 2, which, to be fair, does look pretty badass. Uh, that was kind of exciting. Uh, you can modify lots, lots of things on the controller. And 
the current Xbox controller, the basic one that comes with the Xbox is a piece of shit. So knowing that you get the fancy one is nice. Uh, looking forward to that. Uh, but not a lot of details, but, you know, the focus on being just games, games, games is great. I mean, when they launched the Xbox, they talked about having a fantasy football app and having like a weather app and doing picture in picture for watching TV and all this other crap that nobody wanted. Uh, in addition to a lot of those like online DRM checks and like, you know, they were edging towards getting rid of disc. Um, they've said this time they will still have disc and a lot of the stuff will be backwards compatible with the Xbox One library. So it seems like they've taken a lot of lessons from the past. They're very focused on games and gamers right now and, and doing their best to not repeat their mistake and give people what they want. So that's great. Uh, but there just wasn't a lot of like real hard info. Um, I mean, you know, they said it's going to launch with the new Halo game. I don't give a fuck about that. Uh, but I am pleased to see that they have kind of... Uh, gotten back to the area that they were really occupying very firmly in the 360 era when they were like the clear dominating force. I mean, the 360 was the box to have. That was the place to be. And then they just like shit the bed when it came to the Xbox One. So if they get back to that zone, get back to being games focused, get back to being player focused, that's 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 a step in the right direction. I'm all for it, man. Um, but yeah, we didn't get a lot of a uh, little hard info. What was your what was your take on this, Corey? Uh, I mean, I guess my take is like, here we go, another bigger, better, faster box or whatever. Um, I'm curious if they're going to call it, like, the Xbox 2 or the Xbox One XXX or whatever the fuck they're going to call <laughs> it. Um, but I think the thing that I thought was cool about it is that I keep hearing over and over again that the way they're building the Project Scarlet or, you know, what have you, is that it's going to basically be backwards compatible for, like, base basically like everything Xbox has done or they're trying to work toward that. So yeah, yeah. if you get the new console, then you can play every Xbox one game. You can play every Xbox 360 game. And even the Xbox original Xbox games that have been made backwards compatible with the one, um, you can play all of those. So like anything that's been currently been currently, that doesn't sound right. Um, anything that's been made backwards compatible for the Xbox one, like it basically will keep their entire game library under one console which i think is wonderful and i also like that i mean this isn't like xbox specific but i like that xbox is keeping you know their controllers very similar from console to console because that means that you don't have to like relearn how to play a game whenever you you know fire up halo one on your project scarlet and want to play it again you know it feels like a very similar experience um so I definitely commend them for that. And obviously this wasn't a part of their E3 show, but I really commend Microsoft for um, doing their best to address accessibility in gaming with their, you know, accessibility uh, controller that they brought out recently and just everything like that. I feel like they're doing, they're doing a lot that Sony could learn from as far as backwards compatibility, as far as accessibility in gaming and stuff like that. And it's just interesting to see the trends of how, you know, whenever the Xbox 360 came out, it was, you know, PlayStation was the one to beat because the PlayStation 2 was everything. And then the Xbox 360 carried that console cycle and the PlayStation 3 really didn't. And then you flip it around and during this console cycle, suddenly the PlayStation 4 has reigned supreme and the Xbox One seems to be lagging behind a little bit. But if Microsoft keeps up with good UI and good user interface, which that's kind of the thing that they're struggling with right now, and then you know, implements better, um, just like, I don't know, system usage, like, you know, user interface and stuff like that into the next box. And then 
keeps all their backwards compatibility stuff intact, I mean, they could become the front runner during the next uh, console cycle, and then the PlayStation could lag behind again. So I, it's just weird how neither of them can stay consistent in like who's leading and who's not, and it's just it's just fun. It's amusing to watch. It's almost a joke, really, because it's almost <laughs> like clockwork that the leader of the last generation fucks up because they just. I don't know what, get too arrogant, get too full of themselves, or they all of a sudden stop making good decisions and then it flip-flops, like, like almost like clockwork, dude. Like, it's really bizarre. I don't know if that happens in other industries, but, like, with the game industry, you can almost rest assured that if you're on top one generation, you're not going to be on top the next. And I just, it's so, it's so strange. Um, but I definitely like this new flavor of, of Microsoft. Like you said, the accessibility, the backwards compatibility, focusing on making things, the UI better, the controllers better, and just really making it all about the games, which is really where they got off track last, uh, I mean, last generation, but I mean, I'm talking about the Xbox one current (laughs) generation. So, um, yeah, it's all good stuff. It's all good stuff. Uh, Phil Spencer, I believe who is in charge of the Xbox division is making a lot of really good choices. Um, and he seems to be getting this ship, uh, sailing right. So that's good. (laughs) I'm looking forward to it. Um, my, my attitude on the Xbox one has been traditionally very chilly, but that's really warming up over the last, just the last recent couple of months, um, between some of the changes that they've done to the Xbox and the accessibility controller. Um, I think game pass, although I was not really down with it at the beginning, I think it has actually a pretty cool service. Uh, so I've been uh, pretty happy with that. And they seem to be making a lot of really good calls lately. So this could be the signal of a really good season uh, to come for, for Microsoft. They might be uh, back in the swing of things. So Indeed. Well, that wraps up um, pretty much all the topics and all the games that we wanted to chat about. Um, is there anything so far that we haven't discussed or anything that you maybe remembered in the midst of what we talked about that you want to address from E3? No, I think we've hit pretty much all of the games I wanted to talk about. Um, I mean, of course, there were a million things on the floor of E3 that were not shown in some of the conferences. I was doing my best to try to research some of those, but there just wasn't a lot of reports coming out that really showed uh, more than what we got in the trailer. So I'm not, there's probably like 20 or 30 other games that we would probably like to talk about, but we just haven't gotten word of those yet. I'm sure that PR will be ramping up over the next couple of weeks, and we'll hear about them in drips and drabs uh, later on, but... I think we hit all the big ones. I think we did a fairly good job of covering what we wanted to cover. So I'm, I'm, I'm happy with this. Good. I am too. And hopefully that I know um, E3 happened like a week ago, but hopefully, I don't know, we provided some good details and some good takes on what we saw and what we liked and what we didn't like and what looked interesting and what looked didn't as far as E3 goes. So that way everybody that's listening will be satisfied with what we discussed. Absolutely. Absolutely. So next week, are we back to our regular format, Corey? I think we are. Um, the weird thing, maybe we can sh- peel back the curtain a little bit on podcast production, but the weird thing about the kind of cycle that Brad and I are in right now is, like I said at the beginning of the show, two weeks ago we recorded two shows in the same day and then posted one that week and one last week while I was out of state, and then we're recording this week, which is the E3 show, so technically, Brad and I have not had a regular show in two weeks because the this show and the last show that you guys are listening to are like kind of oddball shows. We had the banter and Q&A show and the E3 show. So next week, we will have probably back to regular format, but I imagine that... I mean, I, because I was out on a business trip, I actually haven't been playing that many games, um, but I'm sure Brad has probably... If I had to guess... Probably you've played about 
35 games since the last time we <laughs> talked. You're not too far off. In fact, in <laughs> fact, I keep a list, as a matter of fact. Let me just count them up, because I, I kept a little, a little list going here. So oh, my God. <laughs> okay, so I've got probably 16 games I could 16. talk about. Okay. And that's not even including like the little ones where I'm just like, oh, I'll just play it for two seconds, and I can just diss it and move on. Um, but yeah, we, we, we have been not in our regular schedule. I've got a lot of games that I really, really want to talk about. And on top of that, all you banter fans, we've got, I mean, oh my God, I got so much shit to talk about. It is redonkulous. So I'm looking forward <laughs> to getting back to a regular schedule and regular format uh, because I don't know if you guys like listening to it, but I sure like doing them. And uh, it's been tough to not be in a regular schedule. So I'm glad you're back, Corey. I'm glad I'm still here. I'm looking forward to getting back to our regular thing and let's uh, let's get back into it. Yeah, I agree. So with all that said, I think we're ready to sign off for this episode. You think so, Brad? Uh, sounds good to me. All right. Excellent. Well, thank you guys for tuning in. This brings us to the end of our yearly E3 show. Um, we didn't talk about anything we played, but we did talk about everything that went down, or not everything, but a lot of stuff that went down at the annual E3 uh, show in L.A. Um Ordinarily, I would say remember to stick around after the ending music to hear tonight's banter, but we're actually not doing banter because this has been a two-hour show. Um, we've covered a lot. Um, Brad and I both lead busy lives, so we'll just leave it at this for right now. But next week, we will be back with regular format. We will have a bunch of games, probably a lot of banter to get through, um, as we just discussed. So this is the actual ending of the show right here. But if you guys want to get in contact with us about anything, if you wanted to send us any feedback, um, any games that you saw at E3 that you're pumped about that maybe we didn't talk about, or if you have any insight on any of the games that we talked about or know anything that we don't about anything that we talked about, or if you just want to send us general comments, general feedback, any games that you want us to play for the show or anything like that, you can get a hold of us in a multitude of ways. The first way is via email. You can send us an email anytime at sovideogamespodcast at gmail.com. You can also post comments for us on the Game Critics website after each show goes up. There's a dedicated page for every podcast that we post on Game Critics, and there is a comment section underneath it, so you can leave comments over there. I always forget to say this, but technically you could leave comments on our SoundCloud page, too. We've only had that happen a few times, but our show does go to SoundCloud before it goes anywhere else. We do have a SoundCloud page. It does take comments. It does take likes. You can also... They have like a retweet type function where if you have a SoundCloud page, you can repost our stuff to your page. The whole shebang, uh, you can get in touch with us there. And last but not least, you can get in touch with us on Twitter.com. We are on Twitter as a collective show, at SoVideoGames. And the last and perhaps best way to reach us is by tweeting at us individually. Brad and I are both on Twitter and we're on Instagram with our own separate handles. Brad, would you like to give out your social media handles? Yeah, you can find me on Twitter and Instagram. Uh, it's B-R-A-D-G-A-L-L-A-W-A-Y. Always no O's. Excellent. And you can find me on Twitter and on Instagram. My... Uh, handles are the same across both platforms. Also, my first and last name. We like to keep it easy for you here at the So Video Games Show. Uh, my handle is Corey Motley, C-O-R-E-Y-M-O-T-L-E-Y. Uh, and that's it. Brad, do you have anything to add before we sign off? No, that's it. That's it. Uh, this has been a good show. Looking forward to doing it again next week, and I'm glad you're back from vacay. Me too. Although, uh, iron- I don't know if this is ironic, but I'm actually going out of town not no, no. No, 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 it's not, no, not going to compromise the show. Don't worry. 
but not not this weekend but next weekend i'll be out of the i'll be out that weekend like friday through tuesday um so i'm going on another vacation in like two weeks although to be frank the vacation i just went on was more of a work trip than a vacation but i did kind of take the weekend for a vacation um but i'll be out of town soon again so i'll be talking about that in a couple weeks on the show um but that's it for episode 136 we'll be back with episode 137 next week back to regular format games first banter later but until then this is bye from Corey, and bye from brad we'll see you next time